Congratulations, you've unlocked a miserable podcast of secrets. This is episode four squared, and by the time you hear this, uh, spring will be less than a week away. So in honor of that and the launch of the PlayStation Vita, which we covered last week, well, we're going to be discussing hardware launches over the next two or three installments today and probably the next couple of weeks. Uh, we should go more or less through the Super Nintendo launch today, but um, time permitting, we'll see where we go. If you'd like to share your own memories of system launches or anything else game-related, uh, please post your comments on our site at www.the-nextlevel.com. It's the next level with hyphen after the. You can also just search for the term The Next Level in your favorite major search engine, if you forget that URL, and uh, it should point you in our direction. You can also search yeah, for Next Level. We don't want to give any ad dollars to any uh, search engines here. Yeah, just leave it blank. that pops up yeah. Alta Vista. Yeah. <laughs> what was the other one? Northern Lights or something? There's like some weird, really obscure. Lycos. Ask Lycos Jeeves. Ask Jeeves will know where to find us. <laughs> Um, actually, he used to write for us at one point. That's uh, so when he lost all his hair. Um, you can also search for Next Level Forums or TNL Forums, because the forums are probably the most important part of our site. And you can also call us at 312-233-2865 if you'd like to participate. You can leave a message that we might possibly use on a future show. Uh, I still have some messages that we haven't played, and I didn't get them ready for today either. I've just been really busy this week, so my apologies, but oh, man. we'll play some of them, some of them next suspense. week. Someday. Yeah, we're, we're recording this in like in 1998, and you're, you're going to probably hear this in uh, 2010 or 2011, I think. We, we, we record these really far back. Yeah, we're getting really excited about the next gen coming out. <laughs> I heard you're going to be able to hold game systems in the palm of your hand one day. Anyway, my name is Nick Vlamakis. I'm the executive editor of The Next Level. And uh, to my to the near right, we have Eric Manch, who is known as Sleeve on our forums. Hello, Eric. Hey, gang. How's, hey. It, how's it hanging? And to the near left, we have usually uh, Chuck Forrester, who's known as Chucks, but... He's gone to attend to some family matters, and he's he swears he'll be back. So, producer Cat is curled up in his seat, keeping it warm. To the far left, uh, <laughs> he actually owns a 32x Maurizio Massetti, who oh, is worshipped by the true. natives as Mizzo. Hello. Hello. Hey. All right. So we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about stuff that happened before any of you were born. To start it off. Right. Well, I think I was born. Are we going to start with the VCS? Or I the think we should start with the VCS, the twenty six hundred, because That's before me, so I was I was own. definitely born then. I, yeah, yeah. I, so <laughs> I don't. I didn't actually buy it on launch, but I can sort of vaguely remember it coming. Yeah, out, with, with the money so. you had from your job, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, paper route. It was a really good. Paper uh, I just route. sort of crawled my way over to the department store and put some money down. Yeah, that was poop. That wasn't money. <laughs> Yeah, the, are skewed. Boy, that explains a whole lot. Yeah, the only I think it's the only game system that had wood paneling on it. I mean, that's really seventies. It was it that's was totally seventies. It was a while ago, but um, it it launched. It um, surprisingly didn't have anything really big at launch. I, I I always think of Space Invaders. I associate Space Invaders so much with that system, but that wasn't a launch title. They had they had a few ones. They had Basic Math. 
which was, I think, their flagship, where a arithmetic problem would appear on screen, and you would solve that problem. You would use a joystick to pick the correct answer, go left and right till you got the right number. So it would be like Call seven a calculator. times. calculator. And now you're doing all the work on top of it? That's just pathetic. And of course, I, th- I think it's the only launch system that we're going to talk about that actually came with a programming language that you could use, too, because I think there was a basic cartridge like a compile like a basic compiler that you for could the 2600 actually yeah there was there was like keyboard attachment that you could use this up. yeah yeah I'm, I'm pretty positive oh i didn't was. hang out with the nerds back then so yeah. i don't know i was with the I cool never owned it but i was I, with I, the cool kids playing basic math we were uh, had it on the uh i had it on the atari for uh, the atari 800 i had a um, like a similar thing, but I'm pretty The basic math include multiplication? Was. Is that too advanced? Check it out. Check it out, Mizzou. It did. You, they would give you like 7 times 3, and you would scroll through till you could put in 21. And then there was, a, I believe, a time limit to it as well to encourage you to do better. I never played it. Uh, I don't think my, my dad was not very good at math, is not very good at math, and it was his system, so I don't think... He would ever buy something that what involved are, math. Okay, well, if you use it, what are the what are the switches on the system for? I've always wondered that. It's got like six well, switches on it. There's uh, there was like there was like a game mode switch. There's like a game A game like all the early Nintendo uh, Nintendo uh, all the early VCS twenty six hundred um, games had like uh like different game modes that you could hit the switch to uh, change. You could hit the switch to do. And there was a player switch too, like one player, two player. And, um, like, you want to play game A, um, you know, that's what the switches were for. So, yeah, so, like, games like Combat, you know, they would would vary things up a little bit. I think that was the pack-in game originally, Um, you know, for, like, two-player, one-player, two-players, and different game types. Yeah, so for a game like Space Invaders, you would have, say, 30 different versions of that game on the cartridge now they weren't huge differences so one of them the you know the the aliens might come down a little faster or the um the the fire that they would rain on you would zigzag a little and you could you could choose that you could scroll through by hitting those little switches you could scroll through the ones till you found the game that you wanted to play and then there was a difficulty switch like eric said um, I think it was, that was the AB switch. So, for instance, in a game like Adventure, the, the way the, how fierce the dragons were in that game would be controlled by, by the difficulty level that you picked. As I recall too, with Space Invaders, I think there was a difficulty you could, you could toggle that would like take away the little bases at the bottom of the screen. Yes. Or I think that was just, if you, just one of the 30 game options or whatever it was. You That's, could. That was like early hardcore mode. Like, <laughs> yeah. totally. Yeah, there's more to the 2600 than a lot of people think. It, it really no, did have a lot. Of <laughs> no, there, there is. There is. Don't even. As far as launch, uh, launch uh, like publicity goes, I remember there being a huge amount of advertising for the Atari VCS, um, like the "Have you played Atari today?" commercials. Like oh I my remember that you were around. Right? That's the first slogan that I remember. That's the first like video game slogan I remember. Of course, that's because it's probably one of the first ones that was ever created. Um, but I'm, my voice is not up to par today, so I'm not actually going to like sing Like the Atari. <laughs> Your voice doesn't quite <laughs> but, um, cut it. But yeah, the, the ads, of course, when Activision started releasing its own games, you know, they saturated the airwaves with a lot of their own ads. And of course, their games were worlds better than the original release, the release slate of uh, VCS titles. But, um, 
but yeah, they really they really pimped out this uh, game system a lot. Now, speaking of Activision, I think one of the the uh, founders of Activision had something to do with another launch title. This is a launch title I actually played quite a bit called Street Racer. And th- this is probably the next to combat the launch title I played the most. Um, I never played basic math or, uh, <laughs> or blackjack because <laughs> I had a deck of cards if I wanted to do that. And I, I had pencil and paper. So I, I guess I could save 50 bucks or whatever, however much they went for back then. But, um, Street Racer is a good example of what I was talking about with uh, toggling different game modes or or scrolling through them. There were four or five different modes. It was the same basic gameplay. You had the paddles, um, which if, for those who haven't seen are just kind of like these dials where you could you turn the dial um, counterclockwise and your your avatar goes left, and you turn it clockwise and your avatar goes right, and you could have a, a race car which you could. Um, participate in a race in where you dodge other cars that are falling. There was a, there was one where numbers were coming down at you from the top of the screen, like a two and a four and a six, and you would pick up the number and it would give you that many points. And you would play against the other player and see who could dodge the most cars or get the most points. Um, I think I mentioned slalom in a previous podcast and that was on this cartridge too, but it was all the same game. It's just that the, thing you were controlling looked different there was a ball catcher the first game where you had to catch balls was on the atari 2600 and you could catch catch the ball (laughs) yeah yeah so you could catch the balls and then put them in a little ball dispenser or a ball holder i don't know but it was all the same game but it was the illusion that you had all these options and they were options but they just weren't very deep and with the uh, the VCS two, the the other thing I remember very distinctly was it was the first console that had like a demo set up in a lot of the department stores. They actually had a model where they had like a kind of a rudimentary touchscreen type of thing. They had like sixteen different games laid out. They actually had a demo mode. Like this is what I remember, and you could like you actually actually push buttons on the on the screen to select different games, and then you could actually like try them out. There was a demo mode. You would think that that would turn people off because you you would see just how limited you know you've seen the whole game within thirty four thirty forty seconds. You've seen the whole game. I don't know. I was definitely pretty amped up about it though, but I think I was like maybe like three or four years old, so. And Maybe course, I was easy to impress back then. <laughs> and of course, the jewel of the jewel in the crown of the Atari twenty six hundred Atari VCS launch was Combat, which was the pack in. I thought it was one of the best games on the system. Um, again, you it was pretty well. This had a little more variety in gameplay than Street Racer. You could um, pick tanks or biplanes or jets. And it was you against your friend, and you would try to shoot each other into oblivion. And that was actually a pretty good game. Did any did any of you play that? Yeah, I remember this one too. I remember playing it against people. I, I yeah, played against my dad, and um, you know whoever, whatever other friends that I had at the time. Dads don't uh, game but, as much anymore, do they? Or well, my, well, not not those kind of dads. Like my, dads my dad don't... definitely gamed a lot back then. He doesn't so much anymore, but um. Yeah, I definitely remember combat. I remember the, I remember the sound that the that the tanks made. That it's just, like, <laughs> just like a really, 
Yeah, that was that was what it sounded like, everybody. I th- I think I I think that was pretty accurate. <laughs> well, the the thing about um combat, you want to talk about Resident Evil having tank controls? That was where it came from. You, yeah, you had to the turn left tank or right and actually. then press up to move forward every time. Very good point. Very good point. That was Chuck's, everybody. Yes, I'm hey, back nice. from the dead. You're not sitting on the cat, are you? No. She was no, warm- no, no, warming no. your seat. No. That's right. So, so Chuck, we've been talking about uh, the launch for the Atari VCS or 2600 console. Do you remember that launch at all? Do you remember? I, I don't remember the launch, but I do know that I had it. Then? I, I had it, and I had combat and everything that you guys have been talking about, um, except for basic math, because I'm not a nerd. Let's get real. Um, but yeah, combat. I, I played so much combat. You know, I think where was Nina, the tic-tac-toe game? Where was the tic-tac-toe launch game? That would have, that would have sold a lot of systems. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> well, I think combat had a lot of variety for a launch title. I think it, you know, it, you got a lot of mileage out of it with all the different game types you could, you could wrangle out of it, you know? So as far as launch games go, you know, it's got a little bit of variety. It's got something for everybody. It's got different game modes, you know, even though it is, you know, a couple different blocky uh, tanks or biplanes, whatever, moving across the screen, it's 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 got a lot of variety, a lot of gameplay. I think it's a good good pick. It sounds awful, and I'm glad it died. You've never you've never played combat, Mizzo. I I know. I don't know. You have I never have played at some com- point. I have no memory. You of need to combat, come over here tonight. So we need to play combat. <laughs> you need to experience it. I I may have I really don't remember I, this is probably before I could I could attach the names of games to them I I don't think I had a VCS growing up I think I had a I had an Intellivision not Intellivision what was the other thing maybe it was ColecoVision No I don't know what I had a Magnavox Odyssey Odyssey two It was an Odyssey it Oh was my an Odyssey god 2000. So You're the oldest one here It was an Odyssey two thousand So I think it was like a later revision. But I didn't have the Atari. I played the Atari at people's houses once in a while. I remember playing some racing game. Pole, pole Position. Pole Position. Or Grand, yes. Prix. Grand Prix was another good one. I think it was Pole Position. And I don't remember too much other Atari stuff. It was Defender. Oh, yeah. We're talking yeah. about launch titles, people. I know, yeah. but I wasn't around for the launch. So, no, I didn't play any of those games. I was going to bring up Night Driver, but I'm not sure if it was a launch title or not. Night Driver? Course, no, that wasn't. What's, it was what's Night because, Driver? Because you were driving at night, and it was Obviously. it was all black. The screen was all black with a, a bunch of moving a, bu- a bunch of moving white pylons to to denote where the road was going, and then they would move to the right and move to the left. And you know you're driving at night. Pretty simple graphics wise. You know, all I have is my writer stuck in my head call. now. That's all that this has accomplished. You know, if nothing else, these old games definitely let you know exactly what you're having. You know, like pole position. Okay, it's a race. Kangaroo. You're going to be a kangaroo. Kaboom. Hey, you, you know what? There might be bombs involved. Or stampede. There was a stampede. All the good catch, names weren't taken at that the, point. Uh, catch the there balls. was some game where you were like a diver. I remember that. I mean, I, I all remember is like I, I would look at the pictures on on the little cartridges, and it would be like these little cartoony pictures. And you play the game, and there's like three or four weird looking blocks, and you kind of had to figure out what they were and how they worked in the Some game. Some of them had oil. Like I remember the Defender cover art was like this oil painting of people walking around in the city, <laughs> and there's a spaceship flying overhead, and it's kind of communicating with their minds. There's like this ethereal string. 
you know, connecting all their brains or something. Wow. And then you play it and you're flying around a terrain and there are like little rectangles that you have to protect. And yeah, they re somebody really had a lot of imagination. You needed a lot of imagination to play those games. But I yeah, think. you had multiplayer games. You had a uh, dodging game. You know, Street Racer was kind of like pole, uh, pole position or, or turbo or even 3D World Runner where you things are coming at you and you just got to move left and right. So you kind of had a little experience. I, I thought we could rate, kind of rate these launches, even though these are not expert opinions and some of us are just talking out of our asses. But I mean, looking at the list of launch titles and, and how excited people were to actually get to play these things at home, I think this was a pretty, pretty strong launch. I mean, given the technology at that time, I think a lot of people were about as happy as you could be given that level of technology we had. Yeah, I think in the context of everything else that was coming out, I mean, it pretty much blew other stuff out of the water. I mean, when everyone had just been used to, like, Pong, Pong. consoles, pretty much. <laughs> like, Pong, like, look yeah. at this. You can move around little tanks with your I joystick. I think my dad actually had, like, a Pong machine. Like, all they did was Pong. And people loved it. But yeah, there was, was a ton of them that came out. Pong was a big phenomenon. This was the next level. I mean, combat blows the hell out of Pong. Blows away Pong. There's just no, there's no comparison. And then, of course, um, coming on, coming later was the ColecoVision, which was also archaic by today's standards. But what it, what it really promised was bringing the arcade experience at home. Cause there's, there was a huge divide between combat and, you know, <laughs> blackjack and, what you could play at the arcades, Missile Command, and and whatever else was out there, uh, Pac-Man, I guess, by that point. Pac-Man on the 2600, tr they really tried, but it was nothing like the arcade. But I can't believe they couldn't handle Pac-Man. I couldn't believe they did as well as they did. Yeah, Donkey Kong was, um, for the, we're talking about ColecoVision now, ColecoVision, right? right, by Mattel. Moving on, okay. Yeah, Donkey Kong at the time was a pretty, like, it, it was it was pretty mind-blowing to see it on on your TV, because the quality was so much higher than the than the VCS, than the Atari VCS. Um, you know, it. I mean, the monkey, you know, the Donkey Kong actually looked pretty close, like a, pretty close to a gorilla. You didn't really have to imagine. You didn't have to play any games with that. I think, pretty sure Mario was, you know, not really recognizable as Mario as we know him today. But it was solid. It, it played pretty well from. The time that I got it up to when the NES came out, it was it was it was really the definitive version of Donkey Kong that I remember playing. Um, although, as as you noted in the show notes, Nick, it did not have it was missing a stage. And um, yeah, but have you played Donkey Kong on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred? Oh my! Or I actually, it's Donkey Kong Junior. I think I used to play on the Twenty Six Hundred. Oh my God! Donkey Kong was like this giant brown blob. With like two two blank spaces were for his eyes or something. Oh my god, it was terrible. definitely a quantum leap forward, absolutely. <laughs> and then of course they had some of the other popular maze chase games at the time. Of course, because Pac Man was such a huge phenomenon, and they did not launch with Pac Man because I think uh, at the time wasn't Lady Ladybug was kind of like Pac Man, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was it was, it was a Pac Man knockoff, and I actually really liked Ladybug at the time. It it, it had like. It was a sort of like Super Pac-Man in, in the respect that there were little gates that you had to open and close. You, you could like pass through them. You could like strategically cut 
cut off the little bugs that you were trying to trace you down, chase you down. So <laughs> Wait, is this an acid trip or is this like a video game? <laughs> no, no, man. This is the game. I had something like this happen. Yeah. And the other thing that I like that I always liked about Ladybug is that the um that the enemies change from level to level. You know, it, the only thing that really changes in Pac-Man is the is the little bonus fruit that you eat in the center of the screen, but you know, each level, you know, one level you're going to be followed by little beetles. You know, the next level you're going to be little flies are going to be chasing you. They they mix it up a lot, and uh, that was that was ported pretty faithfully too. Yeah, they they launched with uh, I probably like a, a dozen games, and a lot of them were arcade ports that that did pretty well. I mean, that was uh, really really smart of them. I'm not really sure how successful the ColecoVision was. I know I really wanted one, and I never got one. Uh, but um, I don't think it was anywhere near as successful as the Atari was, but it was just something about the timing of it, I guess. It hasn't had nothing to do with how good the actual console was. Well, the ColecoVision, you never hear of it as like a uh, a household name. You know, you talk to our parents, oh, yeah, I'm going to play the Atari. They they knew what it was, you know. Um, my aunt and uncle had a ColecoVision. I have no idea why, but I just remember whenever it was time for me to go visit them, I would go hole up in, you know, one of their rooms and play um smurfs zaxon you know that kind of stuff um but it, you're right it didn't really pick up or catch on as much as an atari did maybe it's because the older people were just used to once you bought a tv you had a tv you didn't have to get a new it's not like today where oh now we've got plasma tv plasma tvs came out and then this type of tv came out and the bigger screen 3d etc back then it's like okay we got an atari we've got our game we've got our tv we've got our game system we've got our phone we've you know this was the only technology that you had to oh there's a there's a whole new one now that you the old one is obsolete it just didn't and that's the other thing i'm trying to figure out too from from my childhood is i know we had the atari after we bought the atari after the ColecoVision came out so i don't maybe i don't know maybe my parents were just poor it's possible (laughs) Well, there was a there was a point when Atari released a new revision of the hardware, kind of like you know, kind of like the well, yeah, Xbox. Yeah, there was the, there was the know? black one, right? There was a smaller, the, the actual twenty six hundred version of it that came out in like eighty three. I I want to say that was smaller. It didn't have like the wood paneling. Look. See, we had the wood was, paneling. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, it might have been that. And also, the other thing about the I I don't need to back, backtrack. Uh, talking about the VCS, but they actually licensed the hardware to a couple different companies. So I think Sears was making them for a while too, like a version of the v- the basic VCS um, console. So you might have bought one of those. You might have bought you know one of the like the Sears Tele Arcade um, or whatever. Are you saying that his Atari wasn't genuine? Wasn't as good as our Ataris? No, no, not at all. I, I, I just think that was kind of a weird thing that happened that, you know, that, that Atari was actually no, he's right, selling. Because if you don't think about it, there's not like a, a Nintendo made by um, Nordstrom or something like that. But what about the, the 3DOs later on? There was a, the Panasonic 3DO and the uh, Magnavox, I think, made a 3DO. And it was really, yeah, it was really Nintendo that had that, that brilliant, you know, vertical integration idea of just controlling every aspect of the... <laughs> oh, and Nintendo the, changed uh, everything. yeah. Nintendo actually made quite a bit of money with the ColecoVision because the ColecoVision, again, the flagship, uh, the flagship title was, was Donkey Kong and that was a Nintendo game at the arcade. Uh, to this day, I consider it one of the best arcade games ever. It was just a great game. Everybody wanted it. And Nintendo made, I think, a dollar or a dollar and some change on every sale. 
and six, five or six million Donkey Kong copies were eventually sold. Well, you know, in the short term. So, you know, they, they made them a few million bucks. So Nintendo was at this point already making money at the arcades and at, at home without even having released a console. So. Good well, them. and you think you think that um, brought on some of the confusion about like you'd hear all the people saying, "Hey, when is Sonic coming out on the Nintendo?" Because I know for a fact I had Mario Brothers on my Atari, like the old <laughs> Mario Brothers, not Super Mario. Yeah, with the conveyor belts and the well, fireflies. That's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. the original Mario Brothers was in fact released on <laughs> several different platforms. Yeah, I don't remember ever playing the twenty six hundred or the VCS version, but I did play it on the uh, the Atari eight hundred computer. So yeah, well, yeah, that's probably that's where all that confusion comes from. So, I, who, think. I think Chuck, did you mention having Smurf, the rescuing yeah, yeah. Gargamel's castle? Yeah, I had Smurf. I never had I a ColecoVision, but I I was over at a friend's house, and I was over with two friends, and they they went off to do something like, like get a snack or something, and I I recall beating that entire game just sitting there. Was it a very short game, or did I just only be I part think of? There it? were only like seven or eight screens. It wasn't a very long. It wasn't a very long game at all. Uh, those were um, the days. I want to say that there's only like four screens, or like at least like there's like four different levels. I seem to remember. Like, like eventually, and each you level get to... was only a handful of screens. Yeah, maybe they're not that long. <laughs> no, I mean literally a screen. They didn't scroll or anything. Yeah, it, like Gargamel's castle isn't like gar like isn't um, Smurfette standing on top of a skull that you have to do this weird double jump to get up You had to. to do this crazy jump to get on. And if you touched a fence, your ass was done. You're like, yeah, you've, you've got some kind of like hemophilia that oh, like, oh, you, oh, no, of course, Gargamel's going to electrify his fences. No, no, no. These were just white picket fences. Oh, and really? You could not. <laughs> you're, like the, you're like the Smurf in the bubble. Like if you touch <laughs> anything, you will die. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you would just go out and like trip on a log and break your head open, and that was the end of the game. And yeah, you could start yeah, yeah. Over. <laughs> but the graphics were good. I mean, I'm looking at this launch list, and I have to say it's really strong. I mean, these are all like really good ports. Like Zaxxon, you know, you were talking about um, Nintendo a moment ago, but Sega also licensed out a bunch of their really good games, like Turbo at the time and then Zaxxon obviously those those ports were very good Zaxxon like, was really good yeah on, yeah on the Coleco Zaxxon game. was huge at the arcades and it's probably the one I wanted to play the most maybe up there with Donkey Kong and uh yeah I think I'm not sure if there was an Atari 2600 version of Zaxxon but I'm pretty sure there was and I'm pretty sure it was garbage but the the, the ColecoVision was pretty decent. The well, Smurfs yeah, anything, were... anything compared from ColecoVision to Atari, you know, when you have those two comparisons, the ColecoVision is just going to blow it out of the water. And it's funny to look back at it now and see how primitive both of them were. But it was it, light years ahead, the uh, ColecoVision was. But, but the 2600 had things like uh, Adventure and Indiana Jones, you know, that were just for that system that were pretty pretty decent and probably as good as anything on the, on the ColecoVision. Yeah. It seems it seems like the ColecoVision just came out too late to really be successful because it was a it was a quality piece of hardware. It just came out the wrong time. I think when the so like the Neo Geo, yeah, kind of like when the market was crashing. You know, well, the Neo Geo was ridiculous. The Neo Geo was like seven hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, did you really know a lot of people who had that? It's the same kind of thing. Everybody will have a Super Nintendo or a Genesis, and then you know you've got your your one rich kid friend who has the uh, Neo Geo. I got choice words about the Neo Geo, but we're not going to get into that right now. Yeah, you've been unusually silent. This is actually one of the best podcasts ever so far. <laughs> I, I love this. I don't any of this stuff. 
I think even back then it was a graphics card. I would just look at it and, and be like, nope, sorry. No, there's no way. You couldn't have known. There was a moment in time, though, when the ColecoVision, right before the NES came out, that this was the this was the graphic horrors console. Like, definitely. Would it change like, your mind if I told you you could see Smurfette topless? If you uh, there was a little there was a little glitch in the Smurf game where if you went into the room with Smurfette and then you exited back out to the left, right before right as you were leaving, it would look like her skirt got really shorter, or like she hiked it up. And her top would disappear. She was trying to keep you to rescue her. She's like, yeah, look, you I know, guess. here's here's what we got going on. You come on back here and you can get it. Was that I've I've heard about this before, but was I've that actually it, yeah. a planned thing? Did like one of the programmers no. sort of sneak that in there? I doubt it. It didn't it didn't look at all enticing. But the Smur Smurfette, as I recall I re, as I recall in the uh, Smurf mythos, uh Smurfette actually started out as a boy. And there was some magical ritual that made her a girl. So I wanted, I, I did want to see, I did squint to see what was under that skirt. I don't know if she started off as a boy, but she was made by Gargamel to, uh, Well, that, yeah, I think that's it. She was made by Gargamel. Yeah. So like Gargamel made her, she had black hair, she sent her out to sabotage the Smurfs, and she was like fucking with the dam and doing some other stuff. And then Papa Smurf took her behind closed doors and did something. And then when she came out, she was blonde and she was nice. So it's a mystery to everyone. So let you dr- let you draw your own conclusions. In other words, <laughs> that's why Papa Smurf is the man. Yep. I'll let you connect the dots. So software-wise and hardware-wise, ColecoVision launch was was great, but the mark either the marketing or the timing or something just was ended up being a big disappointment. It sold decent, and uh, like Eric said, uh, I think a week or two ago, you were forced to buy ColecoVision just to get a Cabbage Patch doll. Isn't, isn't that correct? Yeah, it was like it was a combo deal. Like they were trying to push these uh, Colecos out of the out the door, and uh, you know at the time the the uh, Cabbage Patch kids were selling like hotcakes. So, yeah, how far gaming has come? That's that Smurfette looks a lot better than I would expect the Smurfette to look in in a video game. So I guess ColecoVision. Well, ColecoVision. I'm telling you, it was serious. It was, it was a lot yeah. much from the the block the blocky tanks that you had in the uh, Atari. It was legit. Look at that. Look at that final screen, man. That's what I'm looking at right now. It, there's so much stuff going on. Whereas, like, if that was on Atari, it would be all blank. You'd be a blue blob, and there'd be like a white block, and that's it. Yeah, but you know, like thinking about this, the, the, this is like as as simple as this Smurf game was. This is like the first platforming game I remember having to do like you know tricky jumps with. I, like I mentioned, having to do the crazy like double jump, like that you jump straight up and then you maneuver in the middle of the jump. That was this was like the first game where you could do that. You could actually didn't didn't you die if you touched the skull? Yeah, yeah. So you had to do this crazy kind of like half jump to to get up there well this is when games didn't like people uh, uh, the other another launch game was venture if you've ever played venture venture hates your right venture hates your guts venture does not want you to win or feel good anything in venture you know was seconds away from killing you and you, you just went from room <laughs> to room just to find death behind every door every door you would find your own demise and that was the game and and uh smurf and so many other games had the same philosophy it's just make it as difficult make it difficult because that extends the gameplay they'll play, they'll play longer if it takes them longer to beat it and it wasn't there wasn't any rentals you know i can't think of anywhere where you'd be able to rent these games so there it really was, was. There was there there was. How much did the games cost at the time? Were they fifty bucks? No, bucks? they couldn't no, have been. Probably twenty or thirty. I remember 30. going to a place called Kitty That's City, so and I would be able to pick out like three and four games at a time. Um, 
So I don't know. Kitty City sounds all kinds of messed up. I don't know. That's what it was. It had a kangaroo. It was like a bootleg Toys R Us. No, you sure that wasn't Lydell Play World? Maybe that's, that's it was. The, Lydell Play World is a toy is the Toys R Us a competitor with the kangaroo that I recall from my childhood. Then maybe that was it. Maybe it got bought out. It was turning frowns upside down. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Maybe it started off as Kitty World. I don't know. You know, but. if we if we name this podcast Kitty City, turn turning frowns upside down. I bet we should we get a lot of <laughs> we get a spike in listeners. That's the uh, that's the wrong audience there. Nick. Uh, it's the well. bad element. Okay. And then, uh, Eric, you wanted to mention the Vectrex a little. Uh, this was around the same time as the ColecoVision came out. Yeah, I, I just... got to play the Vectrex one time at uh, Minnesota Fats, the video game it was called. It was a suburban store, and I, I, I don't even sure what I played there, but share your memories, please. Wow, yeah. I mean, the Vectrex came out around the same time as the ColecoVision came out, 1983, when most of the Home console market was was tanking, you know. So again, like the ColecoVision, it was a it was a pretty advanced, more advanced, I think, than the ColecoVision. Um, it was an advanced piece of hardware, um, which you know didn't quite had you know find its niche. Didn't really well, catch describe on it because it's, it's very way. unique in the history of video games. Just describe it because a lot of people probably have never even heard of it. Yeah, people. May have heard of vector graphics. Like, I think the first real major success, I mean, there were probably some other ones that came out before this that used vector graphics. It was a special type of, um, monitor that sort of, I, I don't want to describe it technically, but it's a very diff- distinct style of, of presentation. Like, games like Battlezone, um, and Astro, and the original Asteroids. Asteroids, um, all had vector graphics and it was, it was definitely a big style and that, ba- you know, Battlezone was, was a big deal because you know it had this 3D perspective and it was it was it was very realistic you could do a lot with 3D that you couldn't do with other types of technology at the time as realistic as lines could be but yeah yeah these were lines instead of pixels so the games that had that then of course Star Wars the arcade game which is probably the most yeah. famous back then which was an unbelievable arcade game is still probably now like still one of my favorites of all time Oh, I remember Battlezone in the arcade. Was that Atari? Battle yeah, it was Atari. Like they were sort of the purveyors of this technology. And then there was even later stuff like Major Havoc, which used like color vector graphics, and it was like a it was like a platforming slash shoot like shooter game. It was kind of like like a whole bunch of mixed stuff mixed together. But anyway, I won't get into that. I never understood why you needed your own screen. You you needed a special screen to well, display vector graphics. Well, it's because it's it's a special type of technology. I mean, you can't you can you can try to replicate it on a on Magic. a on a normal t- on a normal TV, but you know, it, with like the the laser type technology they have to use. I, I don't want to say it's lasers or <laughs> exactly what it is, but it's it's Little it's, green it's beams. It's I think it's small beams of light. Is actually what it is. Isn't that what a TV? Isn't that what a cathode ray tube does? It just no, electrons. It's an electron gun. A TV normal. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the Vectrex garbage would be. I'm just trying to see what the difference is because it came with its own. It came as its own little you cabinet. Do, you almost. do require like a like a special monitor in order to do this type of of graphics. So yeah, it came with its own monitor. It came with every game that you got had a special inlay that you put over the monitor to change the colors of the screen, um, and it had a couple of very good um, ports. That came out around the same time. Um, there was a game called uh, Armor Attack, 
armor period attack. <laughs> I think that's actually how it's spelled. Armor period attack. What what is this? <laughs> no, it's it's called a game called Armor Attack. It was it was one of these combat type games where you control a tank. And there and there was a to... red overlay on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. And um, it was it was a very close port of that particular game. And um, the the game that among many other games, but the game that came with as a pack in was a game called Mindstorm, which is basically derived from asteroids, um, but it works a little bit differently. Every stage starts out with like this big huge mine dreadnought, you know, like dropping off a bunch of mines on the screen, and then your little ship. Uh, flies around and then these like mines start springing up and flying towards you and you have to shoot them all down. And then periodically other ships will fly into the screen and drop off additional mines to, you know, fly towards you. And it, it plays really well. It's like, it's a really good, it's like, I want, almost want to say it's better than Asteroids itself. It's, it's a really good game. It's, it, it's very highly regarded among, um, among the retro gaming community. So, so was Tempest on Vectrex? Because it seems like it would be a perfect fit. I th- I think it was. I I can I can go over to my um <laughs> my other room and tell tell you some of the other games that came up out Are on it. But um, what's that? Aren't you at a computer right now? I'm I'm at my computer right now. Well, I could I could look it up. I can look it up on the internet. Right. <laughs> but um, but the ports that came out on it were were excellent. I mean, they were. They were as close as you could get to those types of uh, those types of games at the time, and um, there was there was also Berserk, which was another game um, that used vector graphics um, that also came out. I don't know if it was a launch title, but um, uh, could this only do vector graphics? Yeah, it could only do vector graphics, and it had its all own right. dedicated controller. It was it was all a self-contained unit, and um, of course. And it was, you know, it was the most dead-on port of of Berserk as well that you could get at the time. It was just a big enough system to not be really portable, not, you know, really portable as far as being practical for you to... I mean, it's probably easier to lug around a GameCube than with a little strap than to to lug around a Vectrex, right? How heavy were those things? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like carrying around a, a CRT monitor um, over to your friend's <laughs> house. I mean, it's... It's small, but it's heavy. It's you definitely feel it. Um, <laughs> it's really small, but also it's heavy. So, like, these are all great points. But yeah, I mean, the ports. It it had mostly <laughs> ports. It had some really good original games that were sort of based on other games at the time. Um, there was kind of a, a knockoff of, um, I think, Cosmic Chasm was a one. It was kind of of a knockoff of the, of the Buck Rogers game that Sega did. Around that same time, but it was it was vector it was vector style, like all the all the good games back then that were had vector that involved vector graphics had um, a lot of them had ports on the Vectrex and they all came out great. And then they tried to port games that were out at the time in vector style, like the uh, old Konami game Scramble um, had a port as well, and that came off pretty well too. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a great little system, and it actually had a 3D peripheral that you could add as well. So that was something that you could put. I got to say though, it probably wasn't much it. of a launch. I mean, that would have to be a hard sell. You know, this this expensive little thing that only draws lines, and you know, when with the uh, 
ColecoVision and Donkey Kong coming out at about the same time and and just, it would probably just be really a hard sell. I, I believe the Odyssey or the Odyssey 2 used to have those overlays too that you could put on the TV. So I, I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, it was a new idea. Certainly, yeah, so I've probably seen like a lot of step backwards just, just looking at it. Like if you're not informed about the technology, probably be hard to convince your parents to drop all that money on, uh, on a ton of Vectrex. Well, how much were these consoles at the time? Do you guys remember? They cost more than Vlamakis money, but uh, they were fine for Manch money, I think. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, just to clarify, I did not own one when it came out. Like, oh, I, okay. I remember seeing it when it came out, and I really wanted one, but they sort of disappeared before I could even like, you know, ask my parents to really get me one. <laughs> so I never ended. Up, I I bought one when I was in college off of eBay, or no, I actually I didn't even buy it off of eBay. I bought it off off of somebody on um on Usenet. Like I, I went to a news group. I went to like the, the retrogramming news group and I I contacted some guy at Yale to sell me one, I think it was. And um that was that was the first time I owned one. And that's today to date that's the one that I own. So so I have a price a price list here of the uh the launch prices. It looks like the uh twenty six hundred was hundred and ninety nine US dollars. For blocks on your screen. Well, this is back in the eighties. Oh no, so. Chuck's. But no, they weren't blocks. They were vectors, man. They it's were totally different. Lines. No, this is the Atari. I'm talking, talking about the Atari, Atari. Atari for comparison. Okay. Oh, okay, because the Vectrex actually retailed at one ninety nine, also, which is four hundred and sixty dollars in today dollars. Today dollars. Yeah. Um, so the, definitely the expensive. The but, television was two ninety nine, and the fifty two hundred was two hundred and seventy dollars. Yeah, these Get systems fucked. were not cheap. What? They and were definitely had George Plimpton as a spokesperson, so I think they had to pay for him. So that was the hundred hundred dollar markup. Per... Did he draw the commercials? <laughs> he was in the commercials. The Vectrix has one hundred ninety nine dollars also, but the ColecoVision just says NA, um, which is interesting because you would assume a place like Wikipedia that has all these other information readily available would uh, would have that. Remains a mystery, and of course, there are no other sites besides Wikipedia that we could. It's not where I'm looking. <laughs> Doing more research than you are, boss. Hey, I typed out this whole list, and I, if you see, if you've ever seen me type, you know that it took me a long, long time. So yeah, it looks like you were at least spending two bills to get these games. Uh, going back to old stuff, I, I don't make it past Nintendo era. That's as far back as I'll. I mean, I did play a lot of this stuff growing up, but it's not like I have any kind of fond memories of it. Well, I remember them just being horrible. Like, I think, like the main thing about the Vectrex, the the, the main thing reason why i think it's so memorable is like the main thing that you wanted out of a home console was like was faithful arcade ports like we talk about arcade ports on all these launches because that's what people yeah i mean because that was terrible that was Mm -hmm. like one of the Mm -hmm. worst ports ever made and that was why people were so disappointed by it yeah i mean it wasn't at all like the game and the vectrex had i mean whatever its faults were it had like dead-on arcade ports of these vector graphics-based games, which was really cool, I think. So, that's why I think it's cool. Mizzo, you said you've never you've never encountered a Vectrex or anything like that, or you've never seen it, or... I don't think I've ever seen it. All right, when, the wild. when we go to PAX East, we'll go to the game room, and there will be one, oh, the and I, I guarantee right, we'll you... There, no, yeah. I guarantee you there will be at least 20 nerds gathered around it like it's Jesus. All right. Um, well, we're going to hear a lot more from Mizzo because 
The next thing on the list that we're going to talk about is the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, which is where a lot of great people got started gaming. Uh, I think it was the first system for for a lot of people, even people that were born after that. I mean, even people that were born maybe in the 90s, there was an NES in the house, and that was their first exposure to really playing video games. So this was arguably, well, this was one of the most important hardware launches ever. It, it really changed the game in, it's, in so it's many It's the rebirth ways. of the video game industry in America. And it's kind of funny thinking about it that the original pack-in for the NES was, you know, it was Duck the Hunt. ROB, it was Duck Hunt, it was it was not Super Mario Brothers. Like, that, that's well, not there, what they packed in at first. There, like, were, a few di- there were a few different... I mean, the, the very original... Uh, I, Going from memory, the original release of the NES, a memory meaning I read it recently, not that I, I was paying attention at the time, because the NES just kind of appeared in my friend's house one day. I had never, I had no idea that there was a system like that, and it was, it was, a, uh, it, it was just mind blowing in a way. But the the first um, Nintendo Entertainment System was released in New York only on a, like a trial basis, and that came with Duck Hunt and Gyromite. I yeah, think. that was the original release. Yeah, and then I think later that year they offered the the same package, and they also offered a package that came with Super Mario Brothers. I believe those were both launched simultaneously after, you know, as far as the nationwide launch. I think that's that's <laughs> that's. I'm pretty sure I'm going to stand by that. I'm pretty sure I didn't get it at launch because I do remember seeing it, like you said, at a friend's house, and I had never seen anything like it. Like before that, I had played. The Odyssey, the Atari, you know, I'd never seen anything like the Nintendo. And the first time I ever saw it, it was it was pretty mind blowing. It was pretty different from everything I'd ever seen. It's I mean Mario Brothers was Mario Brothers, you know? It's well and, and another thing you gotta think of also, most of these other games, they didn't have background music even. You know, you, you think of something as primitive as that. And Mario every single screen had background music. You think of combat on the Atari. It was just a, you know, when everybody was moving around. Smurfs I don't think had background music. It did. It did. It did. Definitely you know, did. I remember. I saw the first time I saw Super Mario Brothers, and I'm so glad I saw Super Mario Brothers before Duck Hunt or Gyromite. Um, <laughs> yeah, Gyromite would have been a totally different experience for me. It was. It was actually on a black and white TV, and what got me was right at the beginning where you you pass that first Goomba, and then you, as you're about to jump past that first gap, there's that hidden one-up mushroom. When I saw my friend jump into th- and, and, and in the middle of thin air, this pocket opened, this block opened. It's just the possibilities that this was a game that had things that were even hidden in it. Not only did you did the well, level even go think on about for going so down long. the tubes. You know, you think of the tubes as the um, the obstacle, and then you know you mess up one time and hit down, and you're in a tube. Yeah, it was it's, pipe. It's feeling like a game changer. So just having that game alone makes <laughs> makes this a, a very strong launch. The, Super Mario Brothers was leagues beyond anything that was ever seen on a home system. I'm pretty confident in saying. I think you're right. And then of course, of course, there were like the 20 other games that came out too at the same time. You know, other game changers like Donkey Kong Ma- Junior Math. You know, oh, God. This is, we're talking big time. <laughs> doing math. I don't know. I mean, uh, we've talked a lot about these launch games uh, for the NES before. I mean, we definitely talked about Super Mario Brothers. Um, Jeremiah Hogan's Alley. We talked. Yeah. Yeah. Those I are, mean, yeah, um, we have talked about these. 
one one that I really liked. One that I really liked actually was uh, Kung Fu, which was Kung Fu Master in the arcades in in um, yeah as as we know it. In the yeah, I mean that's kind US. of a big game, honestly. Back and, then, yeah, that was, it was a good arcade game, and that was a pretty good port actually. Um, it was very solid. I think I think the original game was supposed to feature Jackie Chan. I think that's why it it was it just came out as like Kung Fu Master. Um, in the U.S., but I. I remember playing that a lot and remembering that that was a very faithful port. Yeah, I, I remember playing a lot of Kung Fu um, and and uh, what else? Uh, Kluku Land and Ice Climber. A lot of that too. Um, Ice Climber. Yeah. And this this was the first game or the first system that I actually uh, bought for myself to the point of where my parents were just like, "We're not buying this. It's gonna wreck you know wreck your brain." Which made me my argument with my parents was, "Well, why did you have the Atari?" Um, so I did have to buy it. So I ended up getting a little bit late, but my friends, my friends had it and we had a neighborhood collective of, you know, one person would get one game and we would trade it with each other. And then, you know, it was kind of like a library system. So it was good, you know, cause you can't go around <laughs> buying those games all the time when you're only like eight and nine years old. You just don't have no, the, you the would cash get like one or two a year. Yeah. yeah I'd like, I would get one for Christmas and I'd get one for my birthday and then, you know, somebody else would get something. Oh, Hey, you just got predator. All right, well I'll trade you Mega Man two and we just go around. That's a- that is a poor trade, Chucks. <laughs> Predator for Mega Man 2. Yeah, well, you know, you would get it back. Deal. It's not like we were trading yeah. for no, keeps. No, I know, I know. It was a poor trade, by the way. It was the worst trade. I was uh, I was always really disappointed with games like Excitebike and, uh, and Mock Rider, what? of course, because... Because <laughs> you were not bear good with, at them, and me, you thought that Excitebike was Mock Rider? You never played Mock Rider, let's be no, serious. No, no, I mean, I would, because I would want... I would try to build my own tracks with Excitebike and... Uh, and then Mock Rider, but I couldn't... I would try to save them, but it, of course you couldn't save because we, we never received the peripheral that system, would allow you to yeah. save games um, over here in the I, United I, States. I never got more ambitious on, let, let's just make one that's really straight so we can go fast and not have to worry about crashing. <laughs> I kept making those big stupid things with the L's. Yeah, yeah, know. me too. So that was always... Well, that, I, that was a little bit disappointing. I'm always surprised at how I, I I remember I got Excitebike. Excitebike was a game I bought, like or my parents bought for me for either my birthday or Christmas. And I'm every time I look at it, I'm so impressed that I was actually amused by it for so long. Like I managed to play Excitebike for such a long time, and there's uh-huh. there's nothing to that game. Yeah, you've like, come yeah, so nothing. far now with Monster Hunter, <laughs> which has amused you for like a year now. I sort of feel the same way with Excitebike. I tried to play the 3DS Classics version of it. Yeah, and, and it's like there's nothing to this game. Yeah, I played all. it for like five it's... minutes. Like I was impressed by the 3D, and then that was that was it. <laughs> Actually, not really that impressed by the 3D, but at least it was free. Wasn't it free? It was free. Yeah. yeah. So wait, Excitebike yeah, was free. Nothing lost. Really. Yeah, well, the, for 3D the 3D Classics Excitebike on the 3DS. Oh. Sort of oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. But no, I paid money for that shit. <laughs> the uh, the golf game that came out at launch was is that the one that had did Mar- was Mario in that? Yeah, Mario mm-hmm. was the golfer, not, right? No, no, not officially. I mean, it was. You're a- thinking about U.S. Open that came out like 20 years later. That's right. No, what? Uh, no, the original Mario was in other was in other any games like, that like were like he not was Mario the referee games. and Punch Out. Yeah, he, and he was he was the ref in yeah. tennis also, I believe. That's yeah. That was smart that they uh, they had a recognizable mascot that uh, w- would pop up in other games because you really felt like an insider, you know, like you knew who Mario was and you, oh, there's Mario again. Who's Mario? Oh, let me tell you. And then uh, got people. Another way to get people into that whole NES culture, you know, there was the Fun Club, which we talked about a few times, and 
and seeing Mario pop up everywhere and Nintendo yeah. Power. Now we had video game magazines. He even uh, pops up in um, in Wrecking Crew, which was another game where you could create your own titles. And I think there was a there was another character who never, to my knowledge, appeared in another Nintendo or another Mario game. And that was the uh, that was the that was Mario's rival in Wrecking Crew. Like the there's certain stages where you have to compete against another guy, like another. Oh yeah, his name was. His name is Spike in the U.S. Ver- in the U.S. version. He's the f- construction foreman. Yeah, and you have to you have to race him to get to the exit. I think he went on disability shortly after that game, and that's why he could never make another one. Well, and I I just um, went to New York on Wednesday, and I stopped by the Nintendo World Store, and they have a really cool display of all of this old old stuff. Um, they had an ROB there. Um, the old zapper that's the right color, not the orange one. Um, some nice. old Nintendo powers, you know, just a bunch of stuff that, that brought me back to, you know, being a young kid. Then I saw a big earthbound section and, and got filled with rage. But anyways, that's, you know, somewhere else. Um, but it, it was really cool seeing just how much stuff they really threw behind it. Um, if you think about the other systems, there was no unified mascot. There was no, hey, you know what? Mario is on Nintendo. You don't think of the combat tank, you know? Um, they they did a lot of smart branding uh, that made you want to have something to do with Nintendo. Like you would get a, a Mario shirt or something. You know, it was it's smart. Yeah, this was a very good launch and a very good post immediate post launch period. Very, I think they were desperate too. I mean, I I read that book Game Over, yeah. and it seemed like they had a lot riding on this being a big success in the United States. And and by God, it was it was huge. Which which leads us to the opposite thing, uh, the master, the Sega Master System, which uh, not quite as successful in the United States, but very fondly remembered by many people. Did did, did anybody have one of these back then? I didn't even know that thing existed. I, I really I, um, I had no clue. There was a period where I wanted one because it had a port of Space Harrier, which was my favorite game of like all time at the at the at the time the master system came out. So I was like, Oh wow. I, like I really wanted to own one, but, um, and then they came out with a 3d version of space Harrier also, which was also really cool. And, um, of course it was another ill fated 3d peripheral. Um, let me, let me prove a point here. Uh, this, this is the list of NES launch titles, 10 yard fight, baseball, clue, clue land, donkey Kong, junior math, duck hunt, excite bike, golf, Gyromite, Hogan's Alley, Ice Climber, Kung Fu, Mock Rider, Pinball, Stack Up, Super Motherfucking Mario Brothers, Tennis, Wild <laughs> Gunman. I think that's the real name. That's all you need. That's the Japanese name. And oh. Wrecking Crew. This is the full list of Master System launch titles. Hang On, and Safari Hunt, Dual, uh, dual uh, Cartridge. And it had that snail maze game that was built into the system. That's it. And it costs just as much as the Nintendo. And it was red and black. Ugh. Yeah, here we go. We're gonna dump on the Sega Master System. Yet another, po- yet another podcast dumping on the Sega Master System that we're gonna do here. <laughs> I, I mean, I like it. I I enjoy it. I got it when I was like in my thirties or something, but it's fine with me. Just they they were not prepared. Well, what's good on the Master System? I can't think of anything off the top of my head because I've never really used it much. Well, I, I like never I like the Alex go back Kid games. It. Um, they, they did a they did a good port of Shinobi. Um, and of course, for a long time, well, they, had, was, they had Alex Kidd. Yeah. Um, 
And Shinobi. Yeah, Shinobi. <laughs> Shinobi. Yeah. And also... Alex <laughs> um, Kidd. What was that? Golvelius? Golvelius? Golvelius. Yeah, there were a number of compile games that came out, and Golvelius is great. And uh, there, there were... Some light gun games. There was some good shooters that came out. Cloudmaster is another classic. Those of you who remember the poster Mode 7... Uh, I can imagine Ken from Sega 16 listening to this and like with spittle and foam in his mouth. You forgot. Well, I'm trying, I'm trying the best I can to represent the, uh, master system and, um, it's launch titles are as reasonably close to launch as I can, but not having owned one at the time. I, you know, I'm not the best person to do this, but it did have a number of really good titles that weren't really available anywhere else and yeah eventually but the yeah. launch was just horrendous the launch was probably the worst launch next to the vectrex is that what the controller looked like chucks or is this that's, a special that says it's the master system girl i'm looking at the the wiki page for it and there's a bunch of there's like the mach 2 the mach 3 um all these different re-releases uh i figured that one would a- appeal to your senses apparently it has since you're commenting on <laughs> the it sensibilities yeah yeah well, the version that we got, I believe, was the um, was the Mach three, the same as the Mach three in Japan. And as Chuck's brought out, this was actually like the second or third hardware revision of the, what became the Sega Master System um, in Japan. Now we we had the controllers while. where you could screw in the thumbstick, right? Yeah, yeah, we did, which is kind of an interesting thing. All right, let's let's My move dad. past uh, the SMS because we'll 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 have a Sega. I believe well, it was actually cannot. more than that. You could actually screw in a joystick, like a full-on joystick, not just a thumbstick, but like a like a joystick you actually grasp with your hand. If I'm remembering this right, you know, I love Sega. I don't think we're doing them justice. So let's let's just mercifully go on to the uh, the Turbo Graphics 16. The Turbo Graphics 16 um, was one of the big three. <laughs> it was the NES. The, the master system and the turbo graphics were the big three <laughs> thing, but I mean, this is about as, as poor competition as you could, you could expect. I mean, Nintendo wiped the floor with both yeah. these other systems. Well, and but the turbo so. graphics, well, the turbo like the, graphics had a great release, like a great lineup of launch titles, though, if you look yeah, at it. I mean, a great lineup, yeah. I remember yeah. reading about, um, the turbo graphics. Well, I, I read about the PC engine in one of the, the uh, magazines that we were talking about, um, I think on two podcasts ago, um, and reading about the arcade port of, there's a common theme in everything that I talk about with these with these releases, with these uh, hardware releases that I'm, you know, I'm really into like faithful arcade ports. But I read about the fact that R Type, which at the time was released in arcades by Nintendo, oddly enough, it was published. Um, it was really. What? Really? Yeah, yeah, they did. They actually, I, I don't weird. know the exact publishing. I mean, it was produced by IRAM, obviously, but that. It was IRAM, yeah. Yeah, they, they had some kind of distribution agreement where Nintendo somehow ended up, um, releasing RTEP consoles, or arcade cabinets. And I saw the screenshots of the, of the port on the, tur- on the PC engine, later the Tur- TurboGrafx 16 of RTEP, and it was, it was flawless. It was, like, it was as close to uh, like a pixel perfect rendition of it that I had seen at the time, and of course, looking at it now, it's not quite perfect, but it's it's really really good. It's like it's really close. Um, so you know, considering of course, our type at the time, you know, wasn't the biggest success compared to Super Mario Brothers, but it had a couple other really good 
really solid uh, launch titles. The Legendary Axe. Do you guys remember that at all? Like Legendary that's the, Axe. That's actually the only Turbo Graphics game I've actually played. <laughs> uh, I really, I, I played a lot of R Type at the arcades. I loved R Type, and it was a huge selling point for me. But I just could not get the Turbo Graphics. It just wasn't the only game. The only game system I I got um, really as a kid was where it was mine was the uh, was the NES and uh, I had to degrade myself to get that I won't get into that Greek <laughs> uncles then, are not friendly, course, friendly uh, people then there was Alien Crush which to this day again is one of the best um, one of the best I video pinball Devil's games Devil's Crush came first well Devil's Crush, Crush is, is a sequel de- no Devil's Crush is better um, but <laughs> okay. oh well okay that's that well, no, I thought I thought that I thought I'm sorry, Mizzo. I thought that's what you were saying. I, I thought you were saying that Devil's no, no, Crush no, no. was better. I, I thought they came like in. Yeah, you know, I thought Alien Crush was the sequel to Devil's Crush, but I guess it's the other. Yeah, way it's around. the other way around. Um, but it was a great game. It had. What know, was Alien Crush? Was it? That it wasn't was a pinball, pinball game. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah, what it I thought. Was a pinball game. But it was it was the wacky pinball game that could never exist because there was like little monsters walking around and shit. You yeah, kind of like yeah. Revenge of the Gator, you know, in that same sort of vein, which is another great video pinball game. Um, Kirby's Pinball Land. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think it was that was also made by Hal, um, wasn't it? Yeah, that's why it was so good. And then Vigilante was another arcade hit that, uh, that yeah, was a launch that title was for the another Turbo really Brown. close arcade por- uh, port too. Which and it, you know I never played Vigilante, but I wanted to because that's like a River City Ransom type, Double Dragon type. It's actually you know, like it's actually almost the, exactly the same as Kung Fu Master or Kung Fu. Only the graphics are better, and um, it's – I think IREM made both. Um, but you can, p- you can pick up weapons, which you couldn't do in um, – you couldn't do in Kung Fu. Uh, you can pick up a stick and beat people with a stick. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of a different vigilante. Oh, I think I see okay. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Have you – so you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the video right now. And then, of course, the pack-in for the TurboGrafx-16 was Keith – Courage and Alpha Zones, which to this day I've never played. I've I've never the played. The only it. hero named Keith that I'm aware of, as it should be. That was, I assume, a side scroller. I, I kind of picture a side scroller or a platformer. It is. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played that. Where's Bonk? It wasn't Bonk a launch title. Jeez. No, everybody had Bonk, but it wasn't a launch title. I guess I guess if you had to pick the the most popular game for Turbo Graphics, it, it would probably be the Bonk series, wouldn't it? Bonk tried to, they tried to make Bonk the mascot of Turbo Graphics. Probably the most widely known here. Yeah, yeah. The Turbo Graphics never really caught on in America, but I think it, it's Corley, actually Corley could talk up a storm about the Turbo Graphics right now. Corley likes the worst shit. The, P- the, the PC <laughs> the PC engine. You look at you you look back at it. I think it's one of the longest lived. Um, gaming platforms in, in the history of gaming. Actually, I think it, well, they had they had a lot of stuff t- going on with it because you had the the duo and then the 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 Turbo yeah. CD and the Hue card. I mean, there's all kinds of well, crazy were, different stuff going on with it. There were new games coming out for it f- for like a solid ten years, at least ten years. Like I think they finally stopped in like ninety six, ninety five. I've always 96. meant to, I've always meant to buy one with a with a you know CD attachment, but it's it's always been a little bit too complicated for me. Like you need, you need the system, but then it's like okay, U.S. or Japanese, and then the CD-ROM attachment thing, the Turbo Duo. Just buy a buy a there's Japanese also like an arcade one. card or something. Yep. And it always just seemed very complicated to me, and I never figured out which one I wanted to buy. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna play like 
two games on it, and they're not going to be that good. I don't care what anyone if else you ever does. Do wanna, if you ever do want to buy one, try to buy it like a Duro, like the, the PC Engine du, Duo R, or the R, you know, let's make sure it has like a Duo R The, the fact R that you it. have to think about it is what Mizzo is talking about. <laughs> it's a little annoying, well, I yeah, know, but I mean, yeah. It's actually like a, a pretty close to perfect emulator for the TurboGrafx-16, to be honest. And I think I got my fill of TurboGrafx game that way. You turned it on and turned it off, right? Well, I mean, I played through a lot of these games. I beat Bonk 1, 2, and 3. I beat Air Zonk and a bunch of the other popular ones. And Bonk, I mean, Bonk 1, I guess people say you're supposed to spin a lot, and that's cool, and people like that. It was alright. It seemed kind of simplistic, maybe a little boring to me. Bonk 2 actually looked like a giant step up to me. I, I know a lot of people don't like Bonk 2 compared to Bonk 1. Maybe it's just the way they played it. I really don't understand. But to me, Bonk 2 looked like a big step up from Bonk 1. And then Bonk 3 was boring again. And, and something else the P, the TurboGrafx did was um they they had that 16 in there, you know, thinking making everybody right. think that it was a 16-bit system. Um, But it was really, it looks like it was really based around an 8-bit system with just a little more power than the other um, yeah. it, it had an systems. 8-bit, it had an 8-bit processor, but it had a 16-bit graphics chip and the stuff we got here was, was kind of limited compared to uh, what came out in japan for it right like I don't very think limited it had the best US yeah library, we only so yeah we only got that a was also a big negative of what we got it had fighting street yeah well then you also had jj and jeff they had a lot of weird games that came out bravo man but looking looking only at the launch titles i mean what do you think about the launch here it was a, this was a pretty decent launch I, I don't think a lot of these games that were household names i mean none of them were donkey kong i think got exposure even outside the arcades i think people had heard of that game or you know you would go to your department store there might be a donkey kong machine but our type i mean i played our type at some hole in the wall mexican restaurant and it was all the way in the all the way in the back man and you, know, you wouldn't even know about it if you if you weren't paying attention or if you didn't have to use the bathroom because it was next to the bathrooms but none of these other ones were really Vigilante, I think, was was kind of popular, but I mean, this was an okay launch. If you're just talking about like, I think for our type and the Legendary Axe and Alien Crush on those three alone, I think I think I have to say that this launch is probably one of the top, like one of the top of all of these, like just in terms of quality. Like, well, it's a good launch, but it's not one that you look back on and say, "Man, those games were awesome." Every single one of them, not like the NES. No, I mean, all I'm saying is, like, objectively, I think it's, I think it's as strong as anything else out there. Well, I think maybe a platformer has more universal appeal than a weird pinball game, you know? Well, you had Keith Courage. That shooter. was, that was the platformer. Yeah, Keith Courage wasn't, I don't think it was Well, a bad the Legendary game. Axe was a platformer also. Yeah, Legendary yeah. Axe was a platformer too. It, it was, was a pretty good one. Also I didn't fair. like Legendary Axe. I think I remember that one. Is that the one where you find people and they follow you around and stuff? No, that's not. You swing the big dumb swords. It's, it's, that's not what it is. <laughs> but you can go on believing that's what it is because that's what you're going to do anyway. I'm looking it up. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, um. I swear I played Legendary Axe. Yeah, but that's not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a dude with a sword. That's not what it is. He doesn't have an axe. You're not, you're not a dude with... He, I'd be surprised he does, if he had he does have have an axe. You're not I a dude. I love it. It's a legendary axe. What do you fight with? A mace. A can of mace. All right, going on to a system that I think I can confidently say we've all spent time with. Like the actual hardware, not an emulator. I think. I'm going to yeah. go on a limb here. The Sega Genesis, which for a long time was my yes. favorite 
system ever until I'm not sure when. Agreed. But um, Chuck, tell us tell us about the Genesis a little. Well, um, I never had one until it was dead, but I had a lot of friends who had them. Um, so many people around me had it to the point of where when the Blockbuster uh, tournament came out, I entered on the Genesis and won my local. But anyways, I'm getting behind, you know, beside the Oh, my mic. God. Um, Pretty cool. Very nice. I, I definitely played um, Altered Beast. You know, everybody everybody played that. And, you know, the Wise Formula Wave, all that wonderful stuff. Was that the – no, I was pack-in. thinking that was – yeah, it's the pack-in. The original pack-in, yeah, before Sonic. Yeah, and, you know, as it should be, because that was a really good game um, compared to... Now, also, I'm going all over the place. Also, think about this is the first real 16-bit system where you're really starting to see the power. It's starting to make Nintendo look like garbage, kind of like ColecoVision right, made right. Atari look like garbage. Um, but, yeah, I played I played um, Altered Beast. Uh, Ghouls and Ghosts was a launch system uh, title. Ghosts and Ghosts is amazing. I love yeah, that game. Genesis. Definitely one That's of the best one of the best launch titles of any game of any and console worth, that we're well talking about. Well worth playing about. today even. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean yeah, it still keeps on getting re released. Yeah. Um Golden Axe. Everybody's played Golden Axe. They had to have kicking around dwarves and what have I you. I don't know if that was a launch title. That was an actual launch title but, but well, Nick it, has it okay. here and he's yeah, the I know. boss. Are yeah. you uh <laughs> Are you questioning? Him? Yeah, Nick. Nick will make you disappear, man. You're, you're, his, your wave I not only have the delete button on your podcast and your forum accounts, I have it on your life. So don't doubt me. Wow. Anyway, and uh, what else did I play? Alex Kid. I definitely played those. Those are the ones that I played out of the launch system. It's a very strong launch, um, if you ask me. And they had a nice timeless sort of baseball, so that brought in a, a second. No, seriously, I mean, you need <laughs> no, something right. like that. Like he, a Madden or a timeless sort of was big back then. Baseball's probably better than football. I mean, I think more people would probably play a baseball game than a football game anyway. I don't know. I had a lot of friends who had Joe Montana. I know it's not a launch system game, but a lot of people had Joe Montana football. <sighs> What's wrong with people? Yeah, sure. Come on. Um, yeah, and the Genesis, uh, at least the Model 1 Genesis, looked so sweet. It had that big kind of saucer with a little rectangle um, sticking out of it. It had the volume control. And the headphone jack, right? The headphone jack. Yeah, yeah. It was such an attractive system. And uh, didn't get it at launch. Actually, it was never actually mine. It was my, my brother's, technically. I um, I had it at launch. I, um, I, had it, I got it as a bar mitzvah present. So that was my, uh, that was my reward for, uh, for all the hard work that I did for my bar mitzvah. <laughs> I know, I know. Thirteen. So, um, yeah. It may say Alex Kid on the box, but now when you play it today, it it is Alex Man. Congratulations, Eric. <laughs> but yeah, lines. I mean, Altered Beast. I remembered uh, from the arcades, and I, you know, it's okay. I, I it, you know, people make fun of it at, right now. Obviously, you know, on the internet, you were these the, huge body. You were played as one of these huge bodybuilders with yeah, like a pea head. It's kind of a and you simple could transform game. into different animals, into different and tiny creatures. Little shorts, or were they even smaller than shorts? That's why Nick loves it. The main reason it got attention at the time was because of the graphics. They were Greek, weren't they? No, they had, they, they looked like. Yeah, it. you know what they were, weren't they? I think they were Greek. Yeah, because I think it was Zeus. <laughs> Zeus sent you back, you know, from from the dead, right? From your grave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they couldn't have been Greek because the Greek Greek uh, body uh, sculpting was all about proportion, and those guys were not. <laughs> they did not practice the Greek um, well, idea well, Nick, of proportion. You need to think of it. It's it's a Greek through the eyes of the Japanese. But the uh, 
the the twist at the end, and I guess we can give this spoiler. The twist at the end of Golden, I'm sorry, Altered Beast is that. I believe if I interpreted it correctly, the ending is that they were actually shooting a movie. Cause at the end they show you with your, you have like the beast head, kind of like a mascot head at Disneyland where you can take the head off and you, you know, they show you like chilling out backstage when you're, you're holding the, the head of the beast costume, one of the beasts. And it was all a, it was all a movie. So those weren't actually, those were people portraying Greeks, probably Italians portraying Greeks. I don't, I don't know if I ever, interpreted it that way but i guess sure. I, I think you're maybe Look right it up about on that youtube now that i think about it altered beast ending that's how i interpret yeah i'm it. watching the ending right now um a couple oh my god this is the worst recorded ending ever i'm watching another one a couple of the releases i, I remember being really excited about space harrier 2 when it came out because as i mentioned earlier i was a big fan of space harrier but Space Harrier 2 is actually a lot worse in my opinion than the original space harrier i don't know why they didn't just do a straight port of Space Harrier, or maybe call it Super Space Harrier, and add more levels instead of making what is basically a lousier version of Space Harrier with like the same sort of bosses. Um, but the music is not as good. The graphics aren't really as good, although it, you know it, some of the basic effects are there. So I, I, I was just kind of disappointed by that. Um, of course, Schools and Ghosts was you know an amazing port and sort of made up for that. But still, I was a little bit disappointed by that. Um, and then, sorry, I'm kind of distracted because Chuck says he doesn't see the, it's, it's as the credits are rolling is in Altered Beast is what I'm talking about. I don't, like I don't a little, think you know what you're talking about. The, the dude know. did not have a wolf head at all. <laughs> I, uh, the whole I'm time. Sure you, need, you need to watch it. was it. a dream. All right. I'm, dream I'm getting the delete head. buttons ready. Oh, geez. It's just telling me to push any key to start the Actually, next round. Actually, the last battle was a launch title, too. And I, as I recall, that was based on Fist of the North Star. And that also had, like, a really big body and a small head, didn't it? it didn't the guy, Well, the guy had a really big chest. But, but I guess if it's supposed to be based off Fist of the North Star, then that's probably right. Yeah. It was a very tough game, as, as was Ghouls and Ghosts. Again, these back then, difficulty was important in in how long a game kept you entertained and people didn't give up on a game as easily. They just there. keep playing. There, I see it. The very end, it says, en- there's one picture and it says end. And there's a dude holding a, one of those scene, you know, boards that you clap. Yeah, take two or whatever. Yeah. And the guy has the mask in his hands and he's oh, like laughing. Was this, like, was this the arcade mode laugh- then? No, no. Get it's it right. He's laughing, at Chucks. he's laughing at Chucks because Chucks was wrong. No, one of them was and holding up like a beer. Birds hanging from strings. And then the next one is them all drinking a beer, like the whole cast are drinking wow. beer. That has to be for the arcade and not the Genesis. I I do think that was in the arcade and not the Genesis version. Maybe. Yeah, I Nick, we're I, talking no, about the I Genesis. Played this game, I played this game recently on PSN, and I think that was the Genesis version that was on Why PSN. Why would they? It had that. No. You know what I was talking about. Don't cross. I can't me. believe you're wasting your time playing that garbage. You know, today, it takes it takes way. two uh, it takes twenty minutes to beat that game. It's not a big I deal. Know. I, know. I was showing I was showing it to someone on an Maybe if you know what you're doing. It's kinda t- I guess kinda tough by the end. It's not a fun game either. Well, the, let's be honest. The Genesis version is is kind of broken in a couple parts. It's a little bit easier than the arcade version. Um and that you can you can sort of like especially with the like, the flying the flying monsters that you become in like the second stage and the fourth stage. Like you can just Dragon sort of like people. And you gotta kill that crazy ass eyeball monster. It's like the dragon people that shoot lightning. That was always so weird to me. I was like, why are they electric dragon people? You, you know what I was disappointed with? Uh, Golden Axe was a launch title for the Genesis, but it didn't have... It wasn't arcade perfect as far as the sound. 
I remember in the arcade, if you you would kick the guys down and they would do these this blood curdling scream, and yes. they would go like, "Oh God!" Oh, God. And <laughs> I remember that. And that wasn't in the Genesis, unfortunately. I would have paid extra. Like, Fuck shit! No, that was me because <laughs> I was losing. But Genesis launch was really good, really one of the better launches in the, in the top half, I think, of the ones we're gonna be talking about. Maybe I think I was I was indoctrinated into the whole Nintendo culture. I don't think I even paid attention to the Genesis until way, way later. I was just sitting faithfully waiting for Super Nintendo, looking at pictures of like Final Fight and stuff. Too bad for you, because you missed one of the best systems out there. I mean, as far as RPGs, okay, the Super Nintendo had it. Although there were some great Genesis RPGs, of course. Fantasy Star 2. Fantasy Star 2 and... um, Shadow Run was different on the Genesis than on the Super Nintendo. I liked both Shadow Runs. They were totally different games. And Shining Force. Shining Oh yeah, strategy RPG. Shining in the Darkness. Although I definitely have to go with the Genesis version of Shadow Run over the Super Nintendo version. I, I liked them both. I liked them both a lot. Yeah. I mean they're both great. Definitely they're both great. Yeah, one day I want to do a show about sequels that really need to be made and we do need a, a great we do need a decent shadow run game we do need a real good shadow run rpg i think it would it would make me happy i'd buy two copies i don't care that would be that would be great i think uh, yeah i think like the licensing on shadow run is so screwed up now like i think the only people who can do a, a shadow run sequel are microsoft and well didn't they do it they did and it was terrible well, they right. didn't. It was they completely did that, different. They did that first-person shooter game that was kind of like Counter-Strike, but... Do you think if that sold well, they would have made an RPG? Or... Yeah, probably uh, not. Probably just I made played another... that Shadowrun thing, and it sucked on the Xbox. I mean, yeah, I bought it because it was Shadowrun. It was... It had cross-platform um, play, too. And that, yeah, and that too, I thought that was kind of cool, but it ended up being terrible. I just want an RPG. Speaking of great RPGs... Uh, a little bit down the line, the Genesis grew an add-on, a very big add-on called the Sega CD. I think it was $219 when I bought it. I, uh, what? Yeah, I think it was $219. I remember that price because my friend was trying to talk and talk me out of buying it. Cause he, he, he should have tried harder. <laughs> no, <laughs> he I mean, I, Lunar, Lunar alone was, I don't know, it was worth $219, but I mean, there were some good games on there on the Sega well, that CD. That wasn't a launch title. It wasn't a launch so title, though. What made you want to buy it specifically? Sewer Shark. Was it Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective? No, Lunar is what made me want to buy it. All right. So you Probably reading it about it in Game then. Fan or and this, one of those this magazines. This peripheral came out at a time when, when full motion video was kind of all the rage. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate you that as much I, as most. People try to make it all the rage. I don't think. I don't know if it ever was all the rage. I think. It you was mean you didn't get a kick out of Marky Mark make the video? In excess, make my video. I'm listening to In Excess right now because I saw it on the list. I think that's a good that point. I think. I think you know CD-ROM was just sort of coming into coming into its own, and developers were trying to think of ways to use it. And I think that was kind of like a shortcut, like a cheap way to. Add value that to their games. happened with PC gaming too around the time. A lot of PC games had live mo- live video stuff, like Rebel Assault, and it it just wasn't very good. I was never impressed by it. I was never like, "This is so awesome." It was always like, "This kind of sucked." No, it was just it was just another way to game for me. I'm glad I'm glad all games weren't like that. But the few I, I played Dracula Unleashed and that um, that shell that um, fighting game. I forgot what it's called. It it started. It was two words, and they both started with S. Anyway. 
those games were okay. I, you know, you would rent them and you would beat them. Mortal Kombat on the Sega CD was was pretty good, except for that stupid for the loading, loading time. Whenever you would yeah. use Shang Tsung, but it it was the best version up to that point, except for the loading time. But the uh, the pack in for the Sega CD was uh, Super Shark, and uh, that was of course a memorable title. I enjoyed it. I, I I enjoyed it too, actually. I mean, for what it was, it was it was it was one Eight of the most nine o'clock. Yeah, I think I think Mr. Twinkasetti from Perfect Strangers, you know, like the he was in it. It's like, oh, cool! You like there were real actors in the game. You're like, hey, I've seen this guy before. <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, I mean, it was back when you'd hire Michael Dorn to be, to do all the voices in your dynamics. He would do the, there, the little. What was a basketball game? There was some hilarious basketball game, and I can't remember the name of, of who was attached to it. Was it Scotty Pippen? Space Jam with a... no, 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 no. Wait, no. Space I know what he's Jam talking was... about. Um. Charles Barkley, there shut up and jam. FMV, was it? There was like an FMV basketball. Not Shaq game, Fu. Ridiculous. That was an FMV. No. Oh, what? Oh, 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 even... oh, wait, yeah. FMV <laughs> basketball game. This sounds. Familiar. It doesn't even matter because it's the worst thing <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah, that's all you need to know to about it. it. FMV. It's an FMV basketball game. It's just embarrassing. I'm gonna find it. You guys keep going. Just, just for the record, other than all these crappy uh, full motion video games, there were a couple. Um, fairly solid titles that came out there was soul feast which i think i think actually was also <laughs> which almost nobody played at one point That's crap i have it wasn't, it, it wasn't that bad yes it was i, I don't know there was a power was ranger right. sega cd game which was awesome i think making you pay 219 dollars this thing was a black hole assault <laughs> actually i didn't i didn't Definitely. pay for it my financial aid money paid for it. oh gosh <laughs> which made it a little this easier this is why there's reform and that kind of stuff right now yeah, well, because it's a game called Black Hole Assault. I'm not and sure I what they were pushing. You in the butthole. I'm not sure what they were pushing at launch. I think they were pushing Sherlock Holmes a lot for some reason. They were pushing Sherlock Holmes a lot. I remember that. And then the, the Make My Video series, they were really pushing those. I think Source Shark didn't get pushed till it became controversial. Controversial a little later on. Wait, Sewer Shark was controversial? I mean, I'm sorry, Night Trap, not Trap. I was looking at the list, and I was trying to. I was sitting there, I was like, "What the hell was wrong with Sewer Shark?" Besides it being a bad game. It's controversial because yeah. most people hate it, but some some of us don't mind it. Have nice memories of trying to beat it. Well, just just to verify, the sewer shark was the ship you're in. There weren't actually sharks. You were just right. shooting rats. Are you ready for it? Right? Correct. It's it's Slam City with Scotty Pippen. Slam City. That's yeah, it. that's best uh, in the landfill with the ET game. Just go away. I like the excellent title of NXS Make My Video. This right? is definitely one of the worst launches the sega cd i don't think most people wanted one <laughs> unless they were real sega fanboys and they they were looking at the potential of the system not was a- not what was actually there why do you think that is i mean i think at the time it came out i mean there were some good games out there i mean i think lunar had been completed by the time that sega cd came out i, I may be wrong about that but i mean if only they had managed a way to Probably. get those those actual quality games out it might have done better, but you know what? As long as you, it looked like it looked like for the U.S. launch they were focusing on full motion video thing. Like this is what they were pushing for. Well, us. They, they wanted the Hollywood experience in video games. That's what they wanted, right? And it was all horrible. But when you go to the actual games that are on the Sega CD, some of them are pretty good. You have like Prince of Persia. You have uh, Eternal Champion CD. Yeah, the, the Turbo Graphics CD. They took they took the exact same approach with that. They tried to sell the full motion video, and this was even a, yeah. And they even had they had East one and two, like when that system came out. I think it was, I th- I'm pr- it was pretty close to being a launch title 
for the for the tur- for the turbo duo or like the turbo CD. I mean the best thing this thing did was have amazing sound. So you had like Echo 1 and 2 only with amazing sound. You had Earthworm Jim with amazing sound and that game deserved it. Like that's what the CD system did yeah, better than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Well, cuz the Genesis didn't have a very good sound system to begin with. Right. The Genesis is shitty sound. I'm sorry. These, these quality games did actually exist for these peripherals at the time. They just people people were not interested in them for whatever reason. Like RPGs had, had still not really caught on in popularity. I think, at that I think time. the people who bought it were the people who were all about, you know, Sega. I, I know Mike, uh, our friend Mike, he had it, and I would go over to his house, and he he would have like three or four games for it. Why? Just because he had it, you know, that was it. The the video store just a block away from me would rent Sega CD games, and they had a big selection. So that was yet another reason for me to have it. Yeah, there used to be like a lot of mom and pop rental stores back in the day. I don't know if we brought this up before, but it wasn't just Blockbuster. Blockbuster was probably starting out around that time. I really don't even know the timeline for this, but I remember there were a lot of neighborhood like mom and pop rental stores, and you would go, and each one had an almost different selection of games than the other one did. And uh, that was always... I I didn't buy a lot of the games I played on Nintendo, because as we mentioned, you would put down money like maybe once or twice a year on these yeah, things. Yeah. But you would rent a game, beat it in a weekend, and then put it back. Well, and I, I definitely have fond memories of our local mom-and-pop store during the Nintendo days, because they would have different games. And, and that was back in the day when you had no idea when games were coming out, you know? And every now and then you would pop into a store and I'm like, oh my god, what's this game? And it's brand new. And there'd be like, you know, a wall of old, old, old games and you'd have to search through them and all that good stuff. But it was always fun. That or going on vacation and maybe this store down in some other state had, you know, a different game that yours didn't have. That was good times. It was a very different experience back then than it is today. Of course, everything is much better today. I'm not a big nostalgia guy. Uh, mo- most things are better today, but I, I do kind of miss the mom, the mom and pop video store that had street, you know, Street Fighter Alpha in, in the front and then it had like you know, video games in the that you could rent that Blockbuster didn't have. Those are, you know, I don't, I miss that. I, I, I do I miss arcade that. machines being everywhere. Yeah, because like you would go to like a restaurant and there were arcade machines. You go to like Seven Eleven. You would go to like Pizza Hut. You would go anywhere. And there was an arcade and machine. There were at least one arcade machine that was not fucking Golden Tea, you know, which is all that exists now. But yeah, that was nice. But now that you have a Vita, I mean. When you're waiting That's in line true. for your pizza, you could just play uh, Welcome play Park. On the date. You know, you can play it. Yeah, anywhere if you only you could go. fit the thing in your pocket. Fanny pack. You really can't. Fanny pack. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm getting like a man purse, and I'm carrying that around. Oh lord! Or just use the little belt loop for the, uh, for that little official carrying case that they make. So I had my, I had my Genesis, I had the Genesis, I had my Sega CD that I spent two hundred nineteen dollars plus tax for, or maybe it was with tax. It was two nineteen, and it was around that, and. um I was laying in bed and sleeping, and I heard someone come up by my bed. It was the government, and they found out that you had spent your school money on video games. (laughs) They didn't mind. They didn't (laughs) mind. I'm studying game designer, right? Uh Uh-huh. So my mom had had checked the mail, and she was holding something in front of my face, and I focused in on it. And it was Sega Visions magazine, and it had breaking news or whatever on the cover – it had a it had a one of those effects where you have um, something that looks like an ad or a cover, and then you have something else bursting out of it and like bursting through the right. page. 
and it was the 32X. And it said, you know, I guess wow. this was kind of a surprise. They had this, they announced that they were working on it and they said, Oh, you know what? This is going to be available really soon. It's the 32X. And I got so excited. I got, I don't know if I had morning wood or if it was that announcement, but I almost levitated off the bed excited Your about the 32 30- room. Can you please have a little respect? That might have helped too. <laughs> oh, he is Greek. I was excited about 32X, but I was smart enough not to get one. Please tell me what happened and what I missed. <laughs> well, 32, 32X, again, had a great... It had a pretty good port of um, Star Wars Arcade, Star Wars actually. Arcade. Which, I, which would, you know, I, people make fun of the 32X all the time, but, you know, the, this port was pretty they decent. Said. Star Wars Arcade had come out. I remember when it came out vividly. It was It was really, you know... For someone who grew up with the Star Wars arcade that was released by Atari, and then they released this, you know, pretty good-looking Sega Star Wars game, it was was kind of neat. Um, even though I, it was it was really really hard. I could never really get very far into it. Um, I think I always died around like the third level. I, th- I think I made it to like the Death Star like once in Star Wars arcade. Um, Doom, of course, um, not that great. Ran really well. Tomb was poorly. really big back then, so Doom was, was huge. Ported to everything across the yeah, board. Yeah, but it was only like it was basically episodes one and two, I think. Um, and I don't, I don't think it even had the Cyber Demon in it. Actually, well, those stupid console kids wouldn't know. Come on. I think it, it, on the on their on our little notes, I think it's it says missing ten of the pieces. Missing levels. ten I think of it was the PC actually, I think it was actually twenty four. I'm not sure. But I th- what's with you doubting me? I'll find out. No, but I think no, I think you're right. Chuck, I, I do think you're straight. right. Come on. Um, I don't remember the Cyber Newman being in it, but it it did have the first two episodes. Other than that, so ten levels are missing from the original version. Twice as many missing levels as any other version of the game. Uh, so you got to remember at this point there was a Super Nintendo version that apparently had more levels than the 32X. Um. Something else, a DOS prompt shows up after the credits roll if you were cheating. Nice. And it will lock the game if up. If you cheating. That's awesome. I played Doom on my 486, and I would call uh, our often-mentioned fr- uh, friend John. I would call him with my modem, and we would play. And if anybody called a house at any time, it, would knock you off. it was over for yeah. us. Yeah. Another thing about the 32X port, it doesn't have the Cyber Demon, the Spider Mastermind, or the Spectre. So the Cyber Demon and the Spider, Bullshit. those were two bosses in the first game, right? They had to have been. Well, the, the, were, yeah, I mean, the, the Spider Mastermind is the final boss, so... Um, well, here, name five good games for the 32X right now. Just five. Five games well, Star that Wars, Star Wars Hold Arcade. on, name five games for the 32X. Okay. That was I good. Will, I, will barely give you, um, I will barely give you Space, Star Wars Arcade. Space Harrier. That was... Fuck Space Harrier forever. That was, that was, a per, for that was an arcade it, perfect board. I played in, yeah, I played in Shenmue. Game. I don't need it on the 32X. In Shenmue. <laughs> and um, that's all I can think of right now. I I, I got one because some dude was selling his entire Sega deal. Like He came to EB back when I was working there. This is like 10, 12 years ago. And they wouldn't accept it. And I'm like, I'll give you like, you know, like 10 bucks for that. And he's like, okay. So I got like the Sega, the Genesis. I got the Sega CD. And I got the 32X. Wow, and it was missing like cables and stuff, so I had to go hunt for them. It wasn't that big a deal, but the thirty two X is nothing. I, I think it actually has nothing that I've ever played on it that I've have wanted to play on. I it. only wanted to play Web of Fire, the Spider Man game. I don't even know if that turned out good. And I was hoping Cosmic Carnage would be good because I wanted to play more fighting games, but 
I know I'm pretty sure that didn't turn out very well. Like, I want to try a Calibri because I heard it's crazy. It's that you know the hummingbird shooter. I never bothered to buy it though. But and I then wanted they were pushing like Virtua Ham- Virtua Hamster or something. And I'm I'm looking at the list of games and there is nothing about a hamster. Well, what about Virtua Racing? That was supposed to be good, right? Yeah, I remember Virtua Racing on the Genesis had that chip that was like made it like ninety bucks. Yeah, so... yeah, and remember how I told you I uh, won that blockbuster tournament not having any of those systems. I definitely won that and got the uh, Virtua Racing for the thirty two X, and then I turned around and sold it for money because I didn't have cool. it. Wow, good man. Um, Let me see. But uh, again, Blackthorn came on thirty two X. Shit, yes, I would, I would buy that. It was fine on the Super Is Nintendo. That the best? <laughs> it was, you know, no, it was missing blood. Hey, Nintendo. don't forget, WWE Raw came out. <laughs> Mortal Kombat Two WWE was on the 32X. Raw came out for the. Uh, I would get. Bla- I'll look into that. I would get Blackthorn. The 32X, what else is on here that looks sure. good? T Mac. I played T Mac in a local arcade. So did, did anyone play Knuckles Chaotix? Is I've never that, played it. Was that no. good at all? Let's get. I would consider I, that. I'll get Ken from Sega Sixteen on here if he's played them all. Yeah. But again, going on with the Sega peripherals that didn't really do too well, Mike's again had the thirty two X. He he was all about that kind of stuff. So that's where I played all that wonderful thing. Tempo Tempo was supposed to be good. That's like a platformer, right? Oh, look at that cover. That's just that's just not right. Wait, that's hideous. what about the hamster game? There's I don't no think it ever actually game. came out, but it was. It didn't come out. It didn't come out, but I think it was that. being promoted. Like this, you have this to look forward to. Did you have a hamster ball? No, you mean like a party for hamsters? No. No, no, no. Like 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 those balls that you put hamsters in so they can roll around the house. I don't know. Probably. I think you had to. Yeah, you were inside one of those um, tube systems that they live in. You know, where it's like a house and they can scurry around the tube. I think that's what it was. Was a virtual? Was a Virtua hamster? Yeah, it's Virtua. I think it was Virtua. Um, I'm looking at. A, I'm looking at I'm it. Looking at a, It looks yeah, like you're going oh through the God. tubes, like you know those. Um... It's a racing game. So not only was the 32x a, a poor launch, but it was just a poor period. It was just poor period. It was. Was it, it was a poorly conceived add-on that? Yeah. It really. But did they know that Saturn was on the? They way? did. Like, that's oh. what. That's what. That's what's screwy. And they released the Saturn. Um, they were supposed to release it in September, I think, and they ended up releasing it in May of that year. So they even pushed that up. This, the whole thing was just horrifically yeah, handled. It made no this is why Sega too. became such a big joke for a long time. It, it stemmed from that period where they just kept screwing up, and uh, they deserved. They deserved to be made fun of. I think for that, they they botched that. Agreed. But we're going to talk about the Saturn next time. I think we should end on the Super Nintendo, the Super NES, which I think, to to my mind, uh, let's try to figure this out because I didn't really think about it too much. But I, my impression is that Super Mario World is the best packing game ever. Am I crazy? No, no that sounds about I'm right. I'm going to have to agree. It was the last packing game ever, wasn't it? Like the last time that they decided to actually pack a game in. And well, didn't, it was, didn't the Saturn it have Virtual Fighter? Super Mario World is better. No, I agree. It's better. Maybe. But I remember well, later I mean, on, you could no, buy Virtua a Saturn. Fighter was separate. was separate. I remember paying like 70 bucks for but Virtua Fighter. But you would get Fighter. Virtua Fighter Kids 65. or something. Something was a pack-in. Later on, it would come with three games in a pack. I still have a sealed one. Game Boy had Tetris. That was an amazing pack-in. I'm going to have to go with that. Nintendo or before? I'm going with that's Tetris. Before, that's close. That's close. Game Boy came out August 89. 89. 89. Super Nintendo's 92. I know these well. I had these. I, if we do um, handhelds, I think we should do them separately. Not, I agree. Not, I agree. Not intersperse them. Sure. All right. But um, Super Mario World, I saw at a department store 
when they before it came out they had like a little kiosk set up and i was watching some kid play it and i i don't know that i ever wanted anything more than that you know, right than i wanted that game at that time I felt like when I first saw it, I felt it was a little bit, it was like a, maybe not head and shoulders, but it was just above everything else I'd seen until that point. It was so colorful. Like the amount of colors, uh, just the way the game looked, and like the, the variety, the level variety, just every, and it was, I, I think packing in a platformer is, is a much smarter move than packing in a fighter. Well, and it's, so it's fighter, Mario. You have a pretty limited audience. Like only so many people like fighting games, you know? And, Unless you have friends coming over and two controllers and a constant stream of people to fight against, it's not fun to play the computer. But a platformer is just, I think, a lot more safe across the board. And Mario World is an excellent platformer. And you can you can still do two players with the platformer. You know, we, when you're doing the simultaneous stuff, and everybody used to do that. I remember we would have sleepovers, and people would be like, "All right, well, I died. It's your turn." And you would go through the whole entire game. And we didn't yeah, mind game, it. That was a that was a smart move putting that in there. I remember. Uh... There was a, I was watching Jeopardy and I think Super Mario World has something like 139 levels, 36, 136, something like that. And if you find the last level, um, you know it, it, the game tells you that you found all the levels, you found the super hidden level. And I, let's say it's 139. And the guy, the guy came on Jeopardy and Alex Trebek was asking him his hobbies. And he said, Oh, I, I, I play this game called Super Mario World. And I think I found every level. I found 138. And I just, I just sat back in my chair and I smiled because, because I had found that last level and Super Mario World, all the Super Mario games reward you for, um, for just, for just playing and having fun. It's something you want to do anyway. But going back to that hidden one up mushroom in Super Mario Brothers. Just finding these, finding all these the little secrets and all these little tricks makes you feel so good and so smart. I think the game Super Mario World tells you you are an excellent player or something, and it's all spelled <laughs> out in flashing coins, and you get to pick up the coins and run and destroy the message. Yes, I remember that. That is amazing. What what a worlds, great yeah. what what a great recommendation for Nintendo as a company and and Super Mario World as a game. Just pure pure fun. He probably missed one of those goddamn exits in that Chocolate Island level that had like five different exits no, depending on I how bet long you it I know what it was. to get through it. There's this thing what where you, of a bitch. you have to use the cape to, to, to fly over and, and hit a goalpost. But if you fly underneath, there's an obvious goalpost. But if you keep going under the goalpost and you there's keep flying, there's another one. I'm sure that's the one he missed. And then you have to go back up, I don't up, think right? I flew that. I think that's the one where you would hover under it with Yoshi and then send them down. To yeah, the something like that. You had to go past jump, the, the goalpost. Yeah, you had to go past the goalpost. And then and jump back up. That was sneaky. All right. Yeah, you couldn't go over it because it would just trigger it, so you couldn't fly over it. So you had to hover under it with Yoshi and then jump off Yoshi. Now, when when That's I was where that betrayal poster comes from. When <laughs> I was thinking about the Super Nintendo launch, I thought that like Final Fight and a lot of games with the word Super in their title all came out at launch. But I guess I was wrong about that because the list I saw here is Super Mario World, F Zero, Pilot Wings, Great Gradius Three, and nice. and Sim City, which is a pretty pretty damn good selection there. But uh, all you really needed was Super Mario World. It'll keep you busy yeah, for a I while. Think, I think I was happy with that. For a re- I don't think I bought any other launch game. I think I was good with Mario World for a pretty long time. So definitely an A-plus launch, or at least an A launch for this. Well, it's year. completely carried by one game. Yeah, but oh, Gradius and F-Zero. But it's a really strong fucking game. Oh, right. No, I'm not saying it wasn't. SimCity was good if, if, if you had never used a PC in your life, and all you had was console. SimCity was a kind of 
not really a new experience, but kind of. Yeah. I first played Civilization yeah. on the Super Nintendo, and I had a I had a hell of a time. It wasn't as good as playing on the PC. On Super Nintendo. Civilization Two was no, no. I think it was Civilization One. I didn't know that one, either. Yeah. Wow. Oh, producer cat. Oh, is the cat? He's correcting Producer cat says it's not Civilization Two. It's Civilization. I love it. She actually jumped on the back of my chair to scream that into my ear. And I actually like I like Gradius Three on the Super Nintendo more than I like the arcade version because it gets it gets rid of the stupid flying to the background levels that I fucking hate, and the difficulty is brought down to very manageable levels. Like it, they're not the same game at all, and I like the feel of the Super Nintendo version a lot more than the arcade version. Just just to put that out there. So wait, those flying into the screen. In yeah, like it's flying into, it's like, it, it looks like 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 mode seven graphics would look like later. I don't even I it's don't even know like what you're flying talking in, like about. Barely any draw distance, and walls are coming up, and you're just crashing into mm. them. Like you haven't died until then, and then you, you're flying into the screen, like into the background, and then you lose all of your options, and there's no way to survive it unless you memorize the shitty level. And the next level just kicks your ass because you are completely underpowered. I don't, That's my experience. I don't with remember game. that at all. Maybe I never played the arcade version, but maybe you did. Yeah, maybe not. Did the first game had those sand lions flying around? I I think Super Nintendo won the two. There was something different about the sand level too. I think it's a vaguely different game in all. I I know the two are different. I know the two are definitely different, and I know that the Super Nintendo version is slightly easier. But um, right. yeah, I don't I don't remember enough about it. Gradius Three is probably the one I know the least of all the Gradius games. Really? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. But anyway, so that's a pretty strong launch. I mean, not the greatest, but it's it's pretty strong. I think and not that, that game... many games, but it's certainly defined by Super Mario World <laughs> by one game more than any I'm of pretty, these. I'm pretty sure one of the. I, Final Fight must have come out soon after. I think it came like two weeks later. Games. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a launch title, launch window title, probably. It was pretty amazing too. Those those dudes were huge on that screen, and Hagrid was just making noise everywhere. I loved Final Fight. Now, Final Fight on the Super Nintendo, you could only pick two two of the characters, right? You could not pick Cody or Guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, you could not pick Guy. It was still good. The Sega CD, Sega CD version was the one. Had a good Final Fight version. Yeah, that was the one yeah, That's another one. Sega CD was worth it. Yeah, totally. Sega worth CD, it. yeah. Just not. I mean, just not what was what it was marketed for. No, like it was marketed for shit. But everything that wasn't FMV was actually pretty damn good, except they didn't show it on commercials or anything. Because it's a hard sell. People want to see something that makes them crazy. You know, like oh my god. You know, you show your parents, dude. It's playing TV stuff, and they're like, "Oh wow, that's really neat." But if you show them something like Final Fight, I guarantee if you show your parents Final Fight on the Super Nintendo and Final Fight on the Sega CD, they won't have any damn idea what the difference is. Yeah, you walk you walk down the street with a lead pipe, you bash people in, you you knock over garbage cans and eat food from, that was under the garbage can. It's a hard sell. Do you, you eat a suspect cake out of the garbage can? Meat bun. Is, is no. poison oh, is poison a man in both games? Do we know that? Por- no, I think she was a girl in the Sega CD one, right? <laughs> Poison's always been a transsexual. She's she's one in one and one in the other. Like that's well, I mean she she was a, she was a boy who is now a girl. That's it. Who loves boys? Who? Yeah, never mind. Uh, so yeah, this is a, actually a pretty good progression from the Atari Twenty Six Hundred to the Super Nintendo. I think I think you can see that why uh, we get caught up in this stuff a lot of this is just a lot of fun thinking back 
and all these cool things that we we played. I mean, if you were there since the beginning, God bless you because you saw you saw the thing change from a couple of blocks on the screen to up to this point to Super Mario World, and then going forward, we're going to see more missteps from from Sega because I think Saturn's going to the next system's coming up. And then uh, we're gonna see maybe some mis- arguably some missteps from Nintendo with uh, Nintendo 64 and GameCube, but it, it gets it gets uh, pretty good from here too. You're gonna see history repeating itself over and over. Where where the the main the main industry competitor, like the person that wins one generation, will undoubtedly lose the next generation through hubris and just bad decisions. And it's always wasn't there a thing so with the impressive. color of the console too? Like a black console has never won its generation or something. Black black plastic. It's racist. Like the Genesis didn't really. I thought we win made it through this podcast without that. It's nothing to do with. I don't think consoles have a race. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the color of the plastic. Whatever you got to tell yourself. What about, Nick? what about the PlayStation Two? I think it was only they only held up to a point. What do you mean? What about the PlayStation Two? The PlayStation Two won that, didn't it? It had to have. Well, it was black. It was it was it was a black console. See, I'm disproving. I'm disproving Nick's theory. It wasn't my theory. I come up with better theories. <laughs> it's all your fault. Oh yeah. All right. You're well, walking, walking we'll talk back. about uh, we'll talk about the the subsequent generations in subsequent shows uh, next week. Um, I think we should move on to to what we've been playing and uh, and then exit after that. So, Eric, we usually start with you. What have you been up to? All right. Well. Um... I finally beat Shinobi on the 3DS. It's it's taken me a long time to beat it. It's it's a hard ass game, but um, you know, it's I've I've talked about it earlier on this podcast, and so I'm not going to talk about it too much. Um, I don't trust you that it's good, by the way. I still but it's definitely good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Someday, Mizo, you're going to buy. It. I mean, it's 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 eighteen dollars right now on Amazon. If anybody's interested, uh, but the ending is really crazy. It's like I don't, want to, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but yeah, it's it's totally nuts, and uh, it's totally in line with uh, what you might expect from like a from a balls out ninja action game. So um, that's pretty good, and uh, I played Mass Effect quite a bit uh, this past weekend, and um, you know it's still good. I've talked about that too, and I'm not going to get too much into that. Um, I did get back into Devil Survivor Overclocked and Devil Survivor Two. Um, Overclocked, of course, being on the 3DS and Devil Survivor 2, they just released the sequel this past week um, on the regular DS. I'm still sort of making my way through Devil Survivor Overclock, which, as these these Shin Megami Tensei games, I've talked about a little bit, but they're just so like the battle systems are just so they just seem so difficult to me, like. Um, I, would, you, I I feel them to be tedious is a good yeah, word to use. They, they really are, like, because like as far as J, like traditional JRPGs, Japanese RPGs go, like you expect them to play a certain way. You expect to be able to grind through a bunch of battles, but you really can't because things like status effects and like elemental alignments like mean so much in this game. And you, and if you don't have the right alignments, if you're using the wrong types of attacks, you will absolutely get annihilated. And like, well, that's kind of the problem with all this. Over stuff. and in over general, again. You need to know what you're fighting. Like, you need to die to it at least once before you can prepare for it and then come back and do it. So that's so it's not like a Final but... Fantasy type of game where you can just sort of grind along through your part with your, with your party and just sort of move through the story elements. And the story is, you know, it's kind of interesting. I like. 
I like those aspects of it. I'm only on like the third day. There's seven days in the game. And I'm at the very end of the third day, which has, has this really difficult boss. Like, like part of the difficult thing about it is, you know, devil, the devil survivor games are basically like turn-based SRPGs mixed in with like a traditional RPG battle system. But you end up with four different characters at a, any given time. And the, those four characters can summon two demons. So basically you have four independent parties of three, of three like, characters each for so basically you have 12 different characters you have to manage at any given point like each character plus two demons so you have like 12 different alignments to manage plus you have like all these different special abilities that you can that you could acquire and the means that you have to go about acquiring them are like really difficult you have to like you basically have to there's this skill crack system where you like at the beginning of a battle you pick out the skills that you want to try to learn from a particular demon. And in order to learn that skill, you have to crack that skill. You have to like kill that specific demon with the character that you've decided to have it crack the skill. If you, in other words, if you kill that monster, if you kill that demon with another character, you will not learn the skill. So you have to plan out everything like ahead of time, just in order to like learn like the ice spell or like, certain like status um you know certain status uh effect bonuses and things like that so it can be really really tedious but it it's still like it's still kind of addicting i i still kind of get into it i i like the art of it um and um you know just the unique ideas behind it are are pretty cool um but yeah really really tedious and so far devil survivor 2 i've only played a little bit of it like kind of like a half an hour of it and so far, it's pretty much the same game. Like, I, I, it looks like there's more characters and, like, more possibilities and paths and stuff. But I'm kind of disappointed in that they basically remade the same game all over again. <laughs> Which is kind of a Shin Megami Tensei thing to a certain extent. Like, don't change. Well, it's a different story, right? I mean, like, it's not the same characters. No, it's not right? the same characters. It's a different story. Instead of, instead of summoning... Well, you still summon demons. It, it works a little bit differently. It's it's also a little bit darker. Um, <laughs> you know, oddly enough, you know, the first game is all about demons and demon summoning and death, but it's still kind of lighthearted in a certain way. Is there like a, is there like a yuzu equivalent? Yeah, there's character there's in immediately game, there's a yuzu equivalent with huge oh, breasts. No. Well, she's not she's, she's not worst, quite as annoying. Tips. She's a little bit more like kind of intellectual, I guess, and so not. Not okay. so airheaded. So not Yuzu. So not the equivalent of Yuzu at all is what you're telling me. In terms, no. In terms of appearance, though, she's like very much like Yuzu. So it's, okay. it's the same kind of idea. And if you look at the art, well, it's a personality that got to me more than well, anything. But, well, Mizo, maybe this will make you happy. There, there's at least there's at least three or four different female characters that all have that same like body shape, but they're like. Presumably, they're different characters. You know, it's that same artist, that same art style. That game has so like you, a weird art yeah. style where, like, you know how like the boobs point up. Somehow? Yeah, they just like, defy. They curve the wrong way. All a physics. Bit. It's, a it's weird, crazy. But anyway, but another the really difficult thing about Devil Survivor is the way you have to buy basically all of your demons. I mean, you can you can you have to buy them off of like the the demon eBay auction uh, auction house. Um, uh, if you want to, qu- you can't enter packs with them like you can in like every other Shin Megami Tensei game, um, which can be kind of tedious. So gaining new demons is kind of kind of slow, kind of a slow process. 
it seems to me, unless you want to spend like a lot of time grinding, which I really don't like to do. <laughs> so I just don't do that. Um, so, you know, I'm stuck on the third day of that, trying to beat that boss, trying to get back into this game. I, so I, I both love and hate it simultaneously, I guess is the best way to put it. In terms of MST games, I think they're, they're pretty, they're fairly short. I mean, by short, I mean like 50 hours. Short? Or so. Like, Compared to most SMT games, which go on for like a hundred. Oh, you mean the, the Devil Survivor it's games? Not as bad. I thought you were saying the Shimigami Tensei games were short in general. I'm like, no, 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 no. My I'm just saying, God, I'm just what are you talking Survivor, about? Specifically, Devil Survivor is a bit shorter than the average. That's Shin good Tensei because games. I don't think I've ever, I've no, I've never completed a single Shimigami Tensei game. Never. I finished Persona. No 3, Persona games. And like, I got really antsy by the end, and it was like. I, I mean, nothing extra. Just playing the game took me about a hundred. Yeah, you spent like a hundred hours. hours really... I think like I played um, Shin Megami Tensei: Strange Journey for the DS for like forty hours. I think I'm on the third level. There's like eight <laughs> levels. It's insane. It's just an insane game. I mean, it's it's good, but it's just so complicated. It's so long. That's just what they do, and and so difficult. <laughs> but yeah, good times. Good times. So, All right, sounds yeah. good. Speaking of uh, frenetic handheld ninja action and uh, unusually shaped uh, female pr- um, protagonists, I've only been playing Ninja Gaiden Sigma Plus this week. I've, I've been kind of busy, um, but even as much time as I put into it, you know, going to and from work, I think I put like I don't know, eighteen hours into it or something, and I am still not finished with the game. I, you know, I usually take longer than usual to, to beat a game. You know, I'm looking for every hidden chest. There was only one chest that I saw that I I didn't see a way to get up to, and I said, I'll oh, screw it. I'll try to come back to it later, and I, I think you can't go back at this point. But there are, um, you know, besides chopping people up into pieces, you, there's there are some platforming elements, especially later on in the game, where you have to kind of uh, run against the wall and then jump off of that and run against the other wall and just keep climbing up that way as much as you can. Um, so, I, you know, that takes a little bit of time if you don't do it right the first time. And then I'm in a part of a game now, I think I'm on chapter 15 or 16, where now the game is just doing that thing where you have three million enemies spawn um, and you're fighting the same battle for, you know, whatever, 10 minutes just for the heck of it. You know, it's, it's happening kind of frequently. You, you go into a room, the doors lock, dragons appear, three at a time. I kept using, I had a lot of, um, special attacks, you know, those, uh, super attacks. So I just kept using those. So I, I figured, oh, I'll just, I'll just blast everybody and then get out of here. And they just kept spawning and spawning and spawning these, these big dragon creatures. I finally beat them and the, uh, cutscene showed this huge, I think there was some something went wrong because it showed this huge red treasure chest. It looked like all the other treasure chests, but it was it was gigantic. It looked like it filled half the room. And then the cutscene went away, <laughs> and I didn't see I didn't see a new chest anywhere. I looked and I looked, and I said, "What what did they just show me? What is that?" <laughs> so uh, I looked around, and there was a chest all the way up near the roof, but it wasn't the one that they showed me. I think. And it had a pretty good item in there. So I said, well, maybe there was just a display glitch. So I beat that part. And then I went to the next part. And the, again, you're in this thing. And they keep spawning and spawning. They really seem to be trying to drag out this game now. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, but if you if you're looking for a game that'll you know keep you uh, interested and actually give you a lot of hours of gameplay, I mean, if you want to play, the, if you can only afford one, <laughs> um, if you can only afford one Vita game for a while while you're waiting for you know whatever game you're waiting for to come out down the line, I guess this Gravity would be rush. good because of that. <laughs> Because there's certainly a lot of hours of gameplay. There's a lot of variety because every weapon you pick up gives you a brand new fighting style. And uh, I've got like eight weapons or or something now. But I keep using the dragon sword over and over because I'm I'm lazy. Because I got the point now where it's just like, okay, I want to finish the game because you know I, I'm appreciative that it's a nice long game. But you know sometimes you're in a situation where you just want to finish the game because you have to do oh, other yeah. stuff. And they're they're really starting to drag it out with the game design now, but it's it's still a lot of fun, and hopefully I'll finish it in the next day or two. And then I've got Dynasty Warriors next waiting. Ugh, why? Because I <laughs> like Dynasty Warriors games. Do you really? I do. I got okay. into them only recently. That's why he still likes them. Yeah, Gabe, um, Gabe, who writes for our site, Gabe Jones, Gabriel Jones, he's really big into them, and just editing his reviews has reinforced how much I actually like these games. Uh, but I really got into them first with the Fist of the North Star game that came out a couple of years ago, Ken's Rage, uh, which is a Dynasty Warriors type game based in the uh, Hokotu no Ken or whatever universe. And I really enjoyed that game. So I've, I've, been, I've been playing them here and there, and I'm looking forward to playing that on the Vita. I think it'll be fun to to ride around on the city buses, you know, as a hero taking down hordes of enemies. It seems like it'll be a lot of fun. I was thinking about looking up the whatever the original dragon, like uh, what the original game of that Dynasty was. Hero, Dynasty, Dynasty Warriors. Warriors yeah. yeah, I was just trying to find the first one and then play it. I was thinking about doing that. I but think I don't know the first I... game like that. I think I played. There was a game called Mystic Heroes on the GameCube. I think that was a similar type of game, but I really didn't get into that. But the the Fist of the North Star game, I just really enjoyed a lot. I think I gave it like an A something on the on the site. What are these base? What is like the basis of this game type? Is it just you fight a lot of enemies, you get money, you buy new moves? Or well, what it is is that I guess it's based on uh, how one single hero can turn the tide of a battle. So the, I haven't played that many of them, but I think what it is is that you play. As, as one great hero, and you can play as different heroes in the game, but you only control, you know, you're concentrating on one hero at a time, obviously. And you've just got hordes of enemies coming at you, and you, you just mow them down, you inspire other people that are fighting with you, and you keep leveling up your, your powers. You're, you unlock new abilities, you unlock new special moves, and you just mow down a lot of people and you, you, you build yourself up. I think the Ken's Rage, the Fist of the North Star game gave you so many different characters with so many different attacks. It had a thing called the Meridian chart, which was kind of like a little map of your, of your spiritual essence. It had all these little points. Like, like imagine a star field where it's just like little points. And then you, you could unlock them in, in different ways and you could, you know, unlock new moves. You would get a certain number of points after you performed well in a, in a round. And then you could allocate it however you wanted. So you could build your character the way you wanted. If you wanted to get a lot of super moves right away, you could do it. If you wanted to build up your defense, it was kind of like a little shop. And the better you did as far as doing a lot of cutting a lot of stylized combos and not, not just doing the same thing over and over and taking down, you know, more opposition. You would get more points and then you could just develop your character and then you would play as another character 
with a different fighting style and that would keep you interested and you would develop that character. So it just gives you a lot of stuff to do. And it's, it's a really like Ninja Gaiden. It's almost a pure action game where you're just getting in the zone of winning. You're not, you're not really looking for keys and things like that. It's, it's in there, but you know, mainly you're just trying to beat as many people down as you can. So that'll be fun. But anyway, that's that's for another day. I was going to play Mass Effect 2, but I, I just did not get to it. And I'm not going to get to Mass Effect 3 for a while, so it doesn't it doesn't no. bother me. But I'm sure I'll hear you guys talk about it. At I don't know. At this rate, I think I'm going to get to Mass Effect 3 in, like, May. Yeah, this is BioWare's favorite podcast. Well, I had to race for it because I knew it was going to be... I, I don't know what... I think the co-op is completely separate or maybe not completely separate, but its own thing. I, I haven't read up. Are you talking about the, uh, the Mass Effect Three co-op or what? Is there is yeah, there actually a co-op, co-op campaign? Like it's not. I don't, if if the demo is anything to um, base it off of, it's not a campaign. It's kind of different horde modes and and stuff of that nature. But okay, you know, Mass Effect. No, let's not talk about that right now. Okay. okay. <laughs> Do you know at the last podcast <laughs> I was editing earlier today, I took out like four minutes of just people randomly talking about Mass Effect. It had nothing but to do with it. Came anything. up. It was relevant. It came up naturally in the naturally. Of flow of Nick, we're, Nick, we're talking about what we're playing, okay? We are playing Mass Effect. But we were talking about what I'm playing. Oh. I shouldn't have said Mass Effect 2. Oh, God. It's like it's like there's a demonic presence that always puts like Mass Effect into our brains when Mass we're talking. Effect. It's like whispering in our ear. Nick, talk about it. What? I. Uh, it didn't show shot. up on the meters again. Please tell us what non-Bioware games you've been playing this week. I have been playing uh, SSX. I got my hands on that, and that's a lot of fun. Oh, you punk. Um, It didn't get as far away from the Deadly Descents thing that we first saw at the, what was that, the um, Spike Video Game Awards two years ago? I can't believe people were arguing that that didn't look like the worst, stupidest fucking thing ever when the preview first came out. It was so, like, dude, bro, dangerous descents. All right, and we're I, uh, they they like, hid it away. Dude, to save the president's they, daughter, they really so they dumb. really hid that stuff away. You don't see it on any of the press. They got rid of it and everything else. But as soon as you start the game, it says you know um, world tour, and then it says deadly descents conquered. So it's really you know they they must have heard the backlash of oh my gosh all the dude bro stuff that you were talking about, but not enough to get rid of it. You can die in this game, and it's the worst thing ever. That is so weird. Yeah. Um, Why would you die? I, I don't know. Why I mean, they're, they're trying. Did. Go ahead. No. They, there's different things, and the, the deadly descents, I'm using air quotes again, um, they're like boss fights, if you want to. Every different descent has some gimmick going on. Uh, one is thin air, so you have to manage your oxygen tank while you're getting down the mountain. Uh, one is um, extreme cold, so you have to make sure that you stay in the sunlight and recharge your, your thermal stuff, whatever. But if you don't do either one of those, like if you don't get down the mountain quick enough and give yourself oxygen, you'll die. If you stay in the cold too long, you die. Uh, there's one with the wingsuit where if you miss your jump, and a lot of times you might because you're trying to go really fast and you can't just turn and go a different direction, you die. This is pretty harsh, man. 
There's, and there's, there's, there's a rewind button, I mean, which is okay, game. but sometimes it's not enough because you really have to rewind to stop all of that forward momentum you have. The The multiplayer is fun. You don't tend to die on that. Um, and it's not like five or six people lined up and then you go and you can punch each other on the way down and, and stuff of that. It's all ghosts and time attack or trick attacks. And that's done really well because it's like the, um, the auto log on what was it, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, where it'll say, you know, so-and-so has beat you on this, and then, you know, go and try to beat their score, get more um, trick points and what have you. And then there's global events where you have to buy into them, and then as you buy into them, you get more credits, and credits are used on boards, uh, outfits, and gear. So, like, maybe a better oxygen tank so you don't die as much on the way down to that one mountain. Oh, that's so crazy that you have to you have to think about things like oxygen. <laughs> but it's only on it's only on the story mode, really. Okay. You, you can you can kind of avoid that all the way, but then your characters don't level up, and then you know you probably won't be winning these other events with a level one character when somebody else is going down with like a level ten or something like Nuts. that. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's avoidable. Like what is what is it that what is the people that really want to um, when they play a snowboarding game or a skiing game they really want to experience? I know it's frostbite or like 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 the high the high altitude. Well, I mean, you know, they're probably sickness. going for the realism. Like, let's think of a way to simulate that. It's what they think the COD crowd wants, basically. And the COD crowd is not buying this game. I'll tell you that right now. But but I want stuff like what was it Tokyo Megaplex back in SSX two and and stuff like that like the crazy neon circus levels with all kinds of stupid stuff going, that's that's what I wanted. But I'm not disappointed in the game at all. I've been playing it a lot. It's just weird that you go from like 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 funky you know like racing with like awesome colors and special effects and awesome music to like to try to make like a deadly descent type of thing where the guy splits off from the rest of the team and is working for the government to do secret snowboarding missions. It's like, fuck you. I don't understand why they did it, because that sounds it's... Like, well, that, that was what the preview was, the original preview. was, And that was just the dumbest thing I had ever seen in my life at that but point. But I want to know, I I know so what's the reasoning it. behind it, because it's not like SSX 2 or 3 didn't sell well, and it just was kind of like they didn't sell any other SSX games in between the last one. So it's I, I just don't understand why they decided, hey, let's do it this way. So that's... But you're enjoying oh, it. Oh, yeah. Then. No, it's a lot of fun. As long as you don't, you know, base everything off of the nine mountains that you have to go down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat them, and then I'm never going to look back. That's pretty much how it is. Um, and aside from that, I got my hands on Street Fighter Cross Tekken. And that game is a lot of fun. Um, Netco seems pretty solid. I was playing with Corley, uh, me and him versus a few other people. And there was no missed, uh, missed juggles or anything whenever I tag in and out. So, you know, that's all you can really ask for is, is good net code. The lobbies are done correctly for the, you know, the first launch. So we don't have to wait for oh. Ultimate Street Fighter versus Tekken or something like that. I finished off Rayman Origins, which I'm sure everyone told me was an excellent game, but I didn't even listen until I played it on the Vita. And it is an excellent game. It's just, it's a fucking extremely solid platformer. It doesn't get scared to get hard. Unlike, I don't know. Like the Mario series, which is a little afraid to get hard. Rayman shows you the ropes, and it's like, you know what you're doing, right? All right. And then it just runs off with it. And it never once shies away from it, which is fantastic. That's exactly what I want from a platformer. Now, are the Ray- Rayman games, are they usually good? Is this like a consistent series, or are they just getting good lately? 
Well, the first game was uh, very good for its time. Uh, it, it may have been a bit more difficult than you would expect a platformer to be, so uh, that's the only negative I would leverage against is that it's kind of hard. But uh, the Jaguar, I mean, I think I played on the on the on the Saturn, and I also played on the Game Boy Advance when it came out, and it was fine. Like no no problems for me. I really like. Whatever it. happened to like Ristar and uh, some of the old. Nobody cares. <laughs> the old uh, platform mascots. Ristar was slow. Not a big fan of Ristar. It's okay. Kind of slow. He had like big hands. He just grab shit all the time. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Glover. But uh, Rayman 2 was more of a Mario 64 type of game. And I think Rayman 3 followed suit. Except I never even looked at Rayman 3. Rayman 2 I bought because I love the Dreamcast. And it was out for like Dreamcast launch or close to launch. So of course I bought it. Rayman 3 I didn't give a shit about. And then uh, now Rayman Origins brings it back to the 2D perspective. And it looks amazing. I'm sure it looks amazing on the consoles too. But on that Vita screen, it looks re- like you. It, the detail is so high. Like the, the painted backgrounds and the animations and the colors, everything. And then you can zoom in. You can like use your two fingers to pinch and unpinch the screen. And you can actually zoom in on the character. And you would think that when you zoom in, you would see a little bit of fuzziness or something, but no, still perfectly crisp. This is the Vita, just, child. This is the Vita. I know, but it's 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 silly how good this game looks, and it plays great. Rayman's There's gloves no are issue. off. Does Rayman wear gloves? Yes, his he does. gloves are I, off I, on the Vita. I don't think he has yeah, hands. He doesn't I think really he has have hands. Floating gloves. He doesn't have limbs, so maybe the hands are in gloves. But we mentioned Berserk limbs. earlier, and it, the Berserk guy didn't have a neck either. You could actually maneuver yourself so that a bullet would go through the guy's where his neck would be and it wouldn't do any damage that's really weird that's a tangent but hey okay i'm allowed one it's bizarre so can we talk about mass effect <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't anyway, expect it to so. get published but yeah go ahead <laughs> so i finished rayman origins excellent platform i didn't get all the all the lums or anything it's it's, it's actually seems pretty rough you're gonna have to do uh, some perfect runs through these levels to get everything and i don't know if i'm up for that right now but uh, I also, since everybody on this podcast was talking about it for the past, I don't know how long, I started playing The Darkness. Once. Yes. And the, I actually went to Join my storage us. unit. <laughs> and I found The Darkness and I dug it out and I came back home and I started playing it's it. It's good. And I, yeah, it is good. I, I must have only played the first 10 minutes because after that, everything felt brand new to me. Like, I don't remember anything after that point. And yeah, it's like, I guess it's a Starbreeze game where you have like a small, uh, decently sized open world type area where you get a few quests here and there. And then you have like the main story missions that you go on and do. And I'm at a I'm at a pretty late point right now. I just got the black hole thing a little bit ago, mm-hmm. so I pretty much have all the darkness powers open to me now, and it, it's fun. I enjoy it a lot. I like shooting people. I like grabbing them with a the tentacle and throwing them around. I like uh, eating hearts. Never gets old. I'm almost at 300 hearts, and I'm still enjoying it. So. It's cool. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that I don't recall the new game keeping track of how many hearts you eat. And that the the old game was just a little bit better in so many different ways. But well, it, it sounds like they're very different. You know, very different games geared for very different audiences. I wouldn't say very different, but I I don't know. It's not. It's almost like Dragon Age one and two, which we talked about, where it's just you you just expected it to be a certain way. You expect it to be a progression, a continuation of a lot of different things, and it was it was a little bit. It wasn't like a right angle turn, but it was like a thirty degree turn from where you thought it was going, and not necessarily good or bad. Different developer, you know. Yeah, that's true. It's the Dark Sector people, like I said the other day. 
which I also brought with me just to play through it, because I never actually played Dark Sector. And I'm sure I bought it for like five bucks some, somewhere down the line. But I, I like the parts like uh, when you go to like Jenny's apartment and you're hanging out with her on the couch. Some, something about that was just kind of nice. It was kind of sweet and funny. Like I, I, I think they did a pretty good job with it. You know? She's teasing you about the remote and she falls asleep on you. It was just like a weird moment. Oh, like my God. a weird God. little thing. It was, it was, I don't know. It wasn't like, I remember the first time I played, I got to that point. I found it boring. And I was like, oh, I got to do this for an achievement. So I sat there and I waited. And the second time that I played it, I didn't really remember it too much. And it it was just funny. It was like a funny little thing in the first person that I'm sure The Darkness 2 does not have. There's pl- well, there's plenty of Jenny in The Darkness 2. But no, yeah, there are no moments like it's that. It's just a Starburst game. And then like the TVs have like these full videos in them. Yeah, like, that's gone music, too from the second game. And TV shows. It's kind of funny. You wouldn't sit there and watch them, but it's just oh, yeah? a funny thing to <laughs> I'm a completist. <laughs> I, I do you. everything in a game. <laughs> I'm still playing Darkness when I haven't finished it yet. It's just new, oh, new video. I'm no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, uh, well, that game does one of the, the things that I hate, where uh, maybe half, if not more than half, of the achievements are all multiplayer-based. <sighs> I detest and that. And of course, the multiplayer for this game is utterly, just completely a wasteland. Dead. Nobody, maybe a week after the game came out, nobody was playing it anymore. And half the achievements are linked to like these, you know, like giant multiplayer games of, I don't even know how many people. I'm going to guess 16, but maybe less. It's just, you're never going to get these people together to do this kind of thing. Nobody, not enough people own the game, first of all, and nobody wants to play it online. So just achievements that you will never have, just going to waste, whatever. Oh boy. But aside from that, (laughs) I'm really enjoying it. I think it's it's kind of underrated in a way. I don't think I've heard too many people except us ever talk about it. To be honest, I, like I said, I was just sitting there. I got it. Free, I got it either free or five dollars with Bioshock. It was some really good deal on Amazon, and I, it just sat there. I just had it there, probably shrink wrapped for a, you know a year or two, and didn't even really. Think, I thought it was just going to suck. I thought it was going to be some generic, <laughs> you know, wa- walk around and shoot things. I thought it was going to yeah. be super generic. The darkness, you know, so. Yeah. I didn't play no, it. Well, I knew it was based off the comic book property, but uh, if you look at the comic book, it's it's a Top Cow comic. I don't know how many of you were paying attention during the Top Cow era. That was like I think it was either at the same time or shortly after this this whole Spawn thing happened. But uh, it was just there were very shiny comics with not a lot of substance behind them. Let's say so they weren't really, in my opinion, they weren't exactly well written. They were just kind of really shiny. They had lots of tits and and skimpy outfits, and blood. And it was basically like the stuff that the comic, that, that, that the main companies were kind of shying away from a little bit. Like the artists just went again there and draw giant tits and everything was bleeding and huge monsters with teeth. And the companies were like, can you kind of like, you know, tone that down a little bit and bring a little, so like all these people got together and made their own company. And like the, the pages are, they were just extremely shiny comics. That's the best way I can put it. All right. <laughs> and they were kind of brainless. And uh, that's what this is based off of. And if you look, these people are wearing the most hilarious, like, late 80s, early 90s outfits. I think there's a comic included, or at least three different comics included in the game. When you go to the bonus material. Oh, uh, yeah, I never looked at those. <laughs> okay, producer Cat's not approved. You should take a look because they are hilarious. Let's just say that the game story is a lot better than the source material, in my humble opinion. So. All right. That's it. So if you want to... If you want to get together with Mizzo on multiplayer or you want to leave any comments for <laughs> Producer Cat or uh, you want to talk about uh, console launches or hardware launches, you could 
Again, find us at the next level, the hyphen next level.com or call us at 312-233-2865, which is, uh, 2332TNL. Pretty clever, huh? Um, and we'll be back in about a week <laughs> with a new episode <laughs> <laughs> and probably a new producer. <laughs> Um, next week we'll be talking about, uh, some of the, some of the games that came, some of the game systems that came out after the Super Nintendo. So, you know, PlayStation 1 should be next week and the beloved Dreamcast and should, that should be a lot of fun. So we will, we'll see you all then and, uh, thank you everybody and we're gonna put it on pause. Bye bye. <laughs>